Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6-NERDS-5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Georges Genty, and you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. I am a host, James, and I'm here, and it's weird. Welcome back. I know. Where have you been? I don't know. And what's funny is when I, w- when I was last here, we were talking about 2019, and now we're talking wow. about 2020 because I missed all of Denver Pop Culture Con. That's right. Oh, my God. It's been like a, so much has happened. A month away for you. Yeah. It's been pretty crazy. It's been like, yeah, five weeks, something like that. You didn't get to fight in the Great Nerd War at Denver Pop Culture Con. I didn't. You didn't. I no. missed the whole thing. You coward. Yeah. Um, no. I was busy watching one human being come out of another human being. It's super weird. I'll, I'll also it's like a- the thing, but in reverse. <laughs> like, you know you know when the dogs, at the beginning of the thing, when the dogs, like, the vines shoot out? Yeah. Right? Imagine if instead of a dog, it was a person, and instead of... Like a weird alien, it was just a different person. It was, like that's kind of how it works. Was the kid's head like the dog's head, where it was sprouting out, going? It's exactly like <laughs> Zeus giving birth to Athena. Oh, it just pops out of their head. Okay, like they just grow. Way to bring Greek mythology yeah. into this. Anyway, I had a kid. Yes, you did. It's crazy. Well, what? Tell us the name of the newest. Her nerd. name is Leona. Ah, Leona Lucille. Lucille named for Lucille Ball. Ah, yeah. right on. Huh? It's pretty great. Then she's doing okay. W- will she eventually marry a man who then uh, will refuse her to go to the show? Uh, no. Will she have a neighbor named Ethel? No. Okay. Will no. Ethel have a husband named Fred? This is a great joke, Zach. I know. It's wonderful. It's so good. I've missed I've you missed so you much. I've missed you so much. <laughs> My God. How did I get bored before? <laughs> I don't know. I provide a service. <laughs> um, yeah. Bucks. So it's been crazy. Yeah, uh, you know what's really cool though about having a kid and them being like semi off of work and also having good reasons to fucking do nothing. <laughs> you watch a lot of stuff at home. Oh, yeah. oh boy, it's, it's a long great. Episode. No, 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 no. I'm gonna skip over, <laughs> but I will say like like we watched so much of The Office while we were in the hospital, like a lot. Did you watch um, the episode of The Office where they're in the hospital? 
Uh, Jim and Pam are giving birth. Oh, um, no, we were we actually watched pretty much everything after that period. Um, wow, we watched a lot of the stuff that was at, like after Michael left and th- things that I'd never actually seen before, hmm. um, which was cool. So hmm. right on. anyway, uh, I am joined this week by Zach and Brad. Yeah, uh, and no Ryan, which yes. is unfortunate because this week, uh, well. Every week we go see a movie and podcast our experience to the world. And this week we went and saw Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes. Uh, which, like, you know, it's a shame to not have Ryan here for it. But we all know his review already. Yeah. We so also know he basically his... tweeted it along with that adorable picture of his family. Yeah. Um, we also know it's his favorite movie of the year for Film Explosion. So oh, yeah. Spoilers for well, that. Well, hold on. He can totally twist things and make it Endgame because that also has Spider-Man in it. Really? Dude, Willy. one of those things is Endgame. <laughs> but one of the, yeah, because Endgame could be because it also has RDJ in it. But and because it's is, Endgame. And it has that wonderful end sequence with a great dance. And it's Endgame. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, know how this game works with you. Infinity War was last year and also Spider-Verse, and I believed he still did Spider-Verse ahead Yes, of it, but that's so. because Spider-Verse is a better movie. Is, is Spider-Verse As a better than movie, Fire From Home and Yes, Endgame? technically you're right on that. Yeah. Yes. Like Infinity War is a better movie now that Endgame is out cuz I like the reason I didn't put Infinity War on my top 10 list was it's an incomplete film. Like mm-hmm. Spider-Verse has multiple Spider-Man on it. Like there's a good reason why that would beat out Infinity War on his list for the year. Yeah. But in this case, it's Endgame. I'm just saying this is like more controversial than anything on the rest of our list. Is like which Spider-Man movie ends up at the top? It's gonna be of a crazy list. explosion later this yeah, year. Yeah, it will be. The, no, the yeah. actual controversy will be where it goes on my list, if at all. Wow. Yes. So later we will talk about the movie, and we'll we'll talk about whether you should see it, and then we'll play the trailer, and then after that we'll get into spoiler territory. There is more spoilers for this movie than I even realized beforehand when yeah. I found out. That I had totally spoiled part of the movie for my wife unintentionally. Um, like my parents would have just given birth, man. <laughs> you know, well, you know, it's one of those things where you're talking about Spider Man and you say things because that's like you know about Spider Man. Yeah. And then you realize that weeks later when she sees the movie, if you hadn't said that, she wouldn't have known that was going to happen. Mm. Uh, my parents saw this movie totally cold and they were way more shocked than. Uh, um, than you were than like Brooks was yeah and that yeah. isn't because the shocker is in the movie no. um, <laughs> so but I wish way, to, was, way to lay that in I wish he was anyway uh, so we'll do that uh, we'll also talk for... about a bunch of other stuff um, so yeah what do you guys want to do first Brad you uh, want to oh go ahead I was going to say uh, this ice is starting to melt so oh man probably uh, yeah wait jump do we cue our... the Stranger Things theme in here now Man, Brad, what do you got? And pop that right up next to the mic so everybody can hear you open it. So I, I went all the way back to 1985. I time traveled and I grabbed what a great year. This this special this 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 limited edition, uh, even in its own time. <laughs> I have a can of New Coke in my hand in an in an aluminum can. It says New Coke on it. Wow. So this is how Coke is going to taste for forever now. They're going to replace the shitty old taste of coke with this new better coke yeah right? uh i Hopefully heard back then it was it was controversial because people did not like the taste they yeah. they did not want their coke formula tampered with well my hope would be that they make it taste more like pepsi because pepsi's better oh wow yeah 
oh, we're not getting Coke advertising money ever now. No. Um, I'm actually yeah. kind of in agreement with James. I kind of like Pepsi more. Oh, yeah. It doesn't burn as much. Coke tastes like it's assaulting you. I mean, it's good. I'll drink it. But anyway. You have a strange relationship with Coke assaulting you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What did um, the, show us on the doll where the soda touched you. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, seriously, if you're not familiar, like those listening at home, if you're not familiar with, familiar with New Coke, 1985, I think for a month they brought out a new formula of Coke. I'm not sure why they changed it. There were riots in the street. Um, the, Bradley. <laughs> the ingredients are missing from the back. There's no, like, it, it should say, oh, you know, corn syrup and water. and Oh, it does. <laughs> it's over here, not on the can. It's on the box. But the can is a mystery. Uh, so I'm looking at, I'm trying to compare the two. Does it they, have sugar in it? They both have water, high fructose corn syrup, phosphoric acid, natural flavors, caffeine, caramel, like, it's all identical. Carbonated water, they have the same ingredients. It's almost like all sodas the same. Every soda is going to have that. It's all about which natural flavors and... Ooh, the new Coke has 34 gram, milligrams of caffeine compared to normal Coke that we were already drinking at 23. So this has more caffeine in this it. This is like a jolt soda. So yeah. that means I'm not going to sleep tonight? Uh, probably not. Yeah. But that's just because I mean, of your own nightmares. You're only getting a third oh, of this. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have so. plenty of nightmares. Right, yeah. Um... <laughs> Cool. Yeah, so we'll find out what the, all the what the big deal was all I'm, those years ago. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. I I've had this for like four weeks now. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Wait to crack it open. Do it. So let me back this microphone up so I can drum 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 roll. Oh! Show us that can again, real quick. Smell does, smells like normal Coke. Does the way your time machine work mean that? Uh, it's not going to be like super old. Oh yeah, it's just water now. Yeah, all the caramel stuck to the inside and at the bottom. All the <laughs> all the soda has seeped out <laughs> through the aluminum. Yep, do it. Uh, weird. It looks like Coke. <laughs> what, wait, what did this you is... expect it to look like? <laughs> <laughs> what else is Coke gonna look like? Oh, uh, here. Part, it's been around how long, James? I want to try, I wanna try not, some of this. Not over the board. Oh, <laughs> that's probably a good idea. <laughs> Sorry, I almost didn't give Zach any. I was just filling this cup. I'm gonna have just a taste because this is really breaking my commitment to no soda. Oh yeah, that's true. This isn't new diet Coke. Yes, exactly. Yes. So oh, yeah, um, just, I apologize to people who have been encouraging me to not do soda. That this is what it's come to. Yeah. This is one of like two sodas I've had in the last two years. Yes. There you go. Have just a little bit. caffeine in there. I'm going to be awake. Here. There's All a little right. left in the can, so somebody can have a little more. All right. Are we ready with our glasses to toast? Yeah. Like, to to new Coke. To 1985. A Let, great year. Let's yeah. do Coke, guys. Oh, fuck. Holy shit. It tastes like Pepsi. Does it? Yeah. I'm so, not tasting anything. So wait a minute. Although I did br- just brush my teeth. It I does, mean, it's, it does taste like Pepsi. So wait a minute. It's still a little cokey, but it's it tastes way more like Pepsi. So, it does not assault you. So do you think that's why they took it off the market because it tasted too much like their competitor and they got jealous? No, I think that the people who drink Coke like their Coke to not taste like Pepsi. Because if they like their Coke to taste like Pepsi, they buy fucking Pepsi. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, it's so smooth. Kind of like Pepsi. Yeah, like it's smooth. It doesn't. Yeah, that's a that's a delicious Coke. I mean, let's be honest. They took it off the market because it was a marketing gimmick in the middle of 1985. Do you really think 
Do you think their intention was because that's why they ended up having to put classic Coke on there for for twenty years or whatever it was? Yeah. Like you, you really think that they only made new Coke to piss people off so that they could then get them excited about regular Coke? No, a lot of advertising and like revenue is just getting buzz out. So like it's a, it was a spike in sales for shareholders for J- July, you know, nineteen eighty five. That's good Coke. Hmm. Man. Yeah, hey, I guess you're right. I'm gonna try it without the ice. Hmm. And I will. A uh, little bias is that. Wait a minute. It tastes I, a little weird without the ice. I'm going to drink it with the ice again. <laughs> just keep going. You're right. It does just kind of taste like Pepsi. So, okay. I'm glad you say that because I was drinking a cherry Pepsi right before this. So I was afraid of some bias there, but I don't. Yeah, we should have done a palate cleanser before we did this. Well, the nice thing, I mean, here I have a Pepsi. I know what a Pepsi tastes like. This kind of tastes like Pepsi. A lot of times Coke, like just straight Coke, it does. It like, mm. yeah. It'll assault my throat. No, this one's a little bit more smooth. It's, it's a yeah, little, it's but it's got the right amount of kick to it. Without the ice in, it's starting to slide back into feeling like a cr- like somewhere in between diet coke and regular coke. Oh, without the aspartame. Sure. Do you know yeah. what it tastes like with the ice? It tastes like I just bought it from McDonald's, and there's no fucking difference. It's like it's no. just coming out of the fountain. It doesn't even taste like it's coming out. The can feels different to me. Well, fair. That's well, there interesting. You have it. Yeah. Right. Turn All right. Can again Science. The camera here. We're gonna see the label again. New Coke, and then turn it again. See Is this really camera on. worthy? Yeah, man. So where did you get said new Coke? So if you want to try it like we did, you can actually go to I think Coke dot com slash nineteen eighty five, and uh, buy your own box. Um, ours came. You get two cans. It's twenty bucks for you get you get two cans of new Coke, and then there's like Stranger Things branded uh, like mini Coke bottles of zero and regular. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars for these four. That is Cokes. the most expensive can of soda <laughs> I've ever drank. James, James, I mean, James. That's, that's the, the modern economy. Don't you know? You know how many how many boxes of Pepsi I could get? That includes shipping too. <laughs> I could get like six cases of Pepsi. I for that kind of money, I can probably find on eBay the holiday spice Pepsi and it'll taste just as good. Yeah. And that's actually yeah. good holiday spice Pepsi. <sighs> hey, you know what people should do? Go buy Pepsi. It's really good. Brad, should people go buy Pepsi? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Either one. They're not that different. Buy Pepsi. Oh wow. Right, that video's no. done. But I'm uploading that to the Instagram. <laughs> That'll just be a great time. Yes, it will. People are gonna love that. Yeah. Or they'll get bored and shut it off like I will. Did you love this week's uh Coca Cola segment of the Real News <laughs> Podcast? Would you like to watch it happen? Dude, tune in next week when we review the all American Mountain Dew flavor where it's every flavor pushed into the bottle like sadness. That's not a real thing, is it? Yeah, it's like that america berry thing whatever the fuck it's supposed to be like a suicide where they just flush every flavor in like a that's too bad because sea of only, depression going into the bottom there's only one good flavor of mountain dew and it's mountain dew like i liked code red when, code red when i was a young fine but it's not but then i grew good. up yeah and now i don't do any of it at all in fact i i, I should pour one of these out for my homies so <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, we can, we can move on. Uh, what do you guys want to do first? Zach, Zach, why don't we do some news? News? Really? You want to do news? Yeah. I do. Okay, we'll do news. It's real news! Um, there was quite a bit of stuff. Um, so... We were supposed to get a Flash movie from John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein... Flash, uh, like Gordon? 
N- no. Oh, Flash like the DC character. Yeah, yeah. The Ezra, Ezra Miller's the Flash because <laughs> he created it. Uh, <laughs> but um, they they are dropping out. Oh, um, good. And uh, it looks like Annie Muschietti from uh, Annie Muschietti from the It series and also Mama oh. is in talks to take over that project. So cool. I actually have faith that Andy Mich- Andy M could do something with that. I'm only calling him Andy M because I feel like a jerk not knowing how to pronounce his name. But wouldn't it be better if he did something else? Yes, I agree. I would love him to do anything but this. Yeah. However, if he's going to do it, I know the project's in decent hands. <laughs> if it's got to happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If I have to be eaten by a shark, I hope it's <sighs> Bruce from Jaws. <laughs> At this point, like, what is that movie? Um, I don't know. I will. We. I. We, I think we had this conversation the last time I was on. Never mind. Let's move on. I really we hope you keep talking. I about really DC hope stuff. it's like Chariots of Fire, but with superheroes. <laughs> so boring as shit, but with superheroes. But has a great song that we all remember. Yeah. <laughs> when my mom made me, I'm sorry because she's listening. But when she made us all watch <laughs> Chariots of Fire, we all picked on her for years. Oh. Like, why did you make us watch this? God awful p- film. I th- it's, it's so boring. I mean, like I've seen it once, and that was enough. Yeah. Um, and that was like when you're trying to watch all the best picture winners, and you wonder why. Um, anyway, also, um, uh, uh, Baz Luhrmann, uh, noted director of such films as Romeo plus Juliet, Mulan plus, plus Rouge, Oz plus Australia, and uh, Great plus Gatsby, is going to do a movie about Elvis Presley. Uh, and he's already got people in the running to play Elvis Presley. We got Ansel Elgort, Miles Teller, Harry Styles, and many, many more. Uh, in other news, uh, music biopics are now the superhero movies of the world, right? God, I just want to slam my head into the desk. <laughs> so, you know I, what I what don't is, need to what, see again? What does his Elvis Presley movie look I, like? What I don't need to see again is a scene where a couple people are standing around a piano, and one of them goes, hey, what about this? And then they play three bars of a song, <laughs> and then we we smash cut to the that person in front of a billion people singing that song, you know? <laughs> God. Uh, so, James, you're telling me you loved Bohemian Rhapsody. Big fan. <laughs> um, uh, my question is, who plays Boris Gump in the Elvis Presley biopic? Because somebody has to teach Elvis his dance moves, because oh, that happened in that movie. God, th- I would see that movie. <laughs> I would see that movie. That would Baz Luhrmann's Boris Gump. <laughs> so, I, I will say this again. Just make it about one thing. Make it about, like, only the last 20 days of his life. Right, make it the my week with Marilyn of biopic <laughs> movies, and it'll be fine. Like if you make a biopic movie and it's about a thing that happened to them and not a summary of their life, it can be good. It could. Like Lincoln is not a biopic; it's about but a you're thing, compa- but it's a biopic. But you're comparing apples to rotten apples here because Lincoln is made by a master. And yeah, but <laughs> I'm just saying anybody could do that. Like. Um, Although I will All say my, week, my week with Marilyn isn't script. bad. No, it's not. I love my week with my my point is my week yeah. with Marilyn is. Oh, well, I thought you were talking Baz Luhrmann. No, 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 no. I was just saying uh, my week with Marilyn isn't Baz Luhrmann. I was just saying um, take a little bit of their life and focus on that, and then. Like a prism, all the things about that character can reflect through it, but you don't have to hit every beat of the mo- of that that historical person's life. Like, I agree, because that's what documentaries are for. Like Bohemian Rhapsody 
if it had literally only been about writing Bohemian Rhapsody and all the things about those characters' lives came through in that whatever two month period where they were working on this like ridiculous rock opera holy shit what a cool movie that could be i agree and you'd you'd you know you'd fictionalize a lot of it and you'd put scenes in in there that didn't happen at that time but you're bringing that character to life in a cool way i just don't need another survey of a character i like, i agree i well i make that movie about just when elvis goes to war that's about a, him stopping making music to go to war. That'd be an awesome fucking movie. I agree. And um, I, I will caveat, though, I did really like Rocket Man because I liked that it took a creative approach to that to that trope. Sure. Um, but I agree. It would be nice for it to focus on one certain element and not the whole span of stuff. Um, but anyway, um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. W- will Baby Driver be Elvis? Uh, will uh, oh. Mr. Fantastic be um uh, Elvis will Harry Styles of One Direction be Elvis? <laughs> Find out someday. Um, uh, Brad, you like RoboCop, and uh, Neil Blomkamp's making a new RoboCop, and the original RoboCop suit will be in that movie. So uh, yay, good. I mean, we've heard that he's doing it before, so I'm not sure what the news is. Yes, another news: Neil Blomkamp has another project on when, the horizon. When I when I will believe Neil Blomkamp news when a movie comes out with his name on it again. Yeah, um, I mean, if the news is just he's using the suit design, great. Hmm. Like that's that's the first yeah. great decision to make with that movie is to return to those designs. Also, get a good writer. N- yes. Of course. Yeah. Have a reason to make that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Story, I guess, is important. Yeah. We got uh, a trailer for uh, a movie by a little-known filmmaker. Hell who, yeah. Who made a movie that um, is so great that they mentioned it in the from the director portion of the trailer. Hell yeah. It's called Knives Out, guys, and it's Ryan Johnson's murder mystery that looks fucking awesome. Hell yeah. Yes. Uh, Daniel, I was so excited about Daniel this. Daniel Craig plays a southern detective. That was probably some <laughs> big balls to put Last Jedi on that. Uh, on that trailer. Oh, I like but... it because it's a big fuck you to people. Oh, um. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I mean, it shouldn't be ballsy because it is the best Star Wars movie ever made. But the but, internet sucks. Yeah. Uh, what's really great is, like, he started off making mysteries. So mm-hmm. for him to make this sort of, you know, uh, it feels a little tongue-in-cheek. You know what it feels like? It feels like Gosford Park. Yes. It feels like a slightly tongue-in-cheek little whodunit you know, uh, like a like a Hercule Poirot, but with a sense of humor. Yeah. Um, there's a. It's funny because there's a trailer out for a movie called Ready or Not, which has a similar tone-ish to it, mm-hmm. but it's it's more of like a girl uh, is playing hide and seek, but the family's trying to murder her. But it has that kind of drawing room feel to it, mixed with slasher. But it's humor. a fun good time. Yeah. Uh, Knives Out, however, looks like an elegant mystery. Yeah. Um, but so that'll be interesting to see how those two. Um, work against each other in the box office realm because they're coming around around the same time. It's clearly like there's a lot of murder on the Orient Express in that trailer. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, wrong. Uh, Knives Out's coming later. Uh, but you know, that's this is a solid cast. And any time yeah. I can see Jamie Lee Curtis doing anything, she doesn't have to just be fighting Michael Myers. She could be doing anything. I will gladly watch it. I'm excited about almost everybody in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, there's not one person in there I don't want to be watching on screen. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a fun trailer. Um. You can check that out. Um, I didn't watch this trailer, but I wanted to bring it up because there's a Jacob's Ladder remake and there's a trailer for it. Uh, did anybody here watch it? I haven't seen the original, so... Yeah, don't okay. care. Moving on. Um, hey, guys, 
Uh, so we can't get a Gremlins 3, and we can't apparently give Joe Dante any work. But what we can do is take the things that he made famous and turn them into an animated prequel series. Because uh, that's what Warner Media is going to do in a show called Secrets of the Mogwai, uh, which will be going to their streaming service. The animated series is set in the 1920s Shanghai and will show viewers how Mr. Wing, the shopkeeper from the first movie, first discovered Gizmo the Mogwai. Um, see, they call it Secrets of the Mogwai, and I'm pretty sure Mr. Wing told us all the secrets in the first one. Don't feed it after midnight. I've, I've a, never seen doesn't it. Doesn't make sense. Any yeah. of the Gremlins movies? Uh, sorry. What? You what? Yeah. My, oh, them. oh, you poor child. So is is are there a lot of secrets? Th- no, there's rules you have to abide by. And I'm assuming those when, are the secrets. When you, when you when you watch the first movie, do you go, man, I really want to know more about Mr. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Okay, <laughs> It's not important. Would it's you, important. It's is you really want to know what he does when he goes home at night? It's a cautionary tale about taking care of a pet. <laughs> yes. like, that's it. <laughs> Yes, and then the second uh, one's about not giving a fuck and being awesome. Plus cameos. And, oh, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, Leonard Maltin gets killed by the gremlins in the second one, and it's pretty fucking Ooh. awesome. All yeah. right. It's because he gave the first one a bad review, so Joe Dante decided to get revenge by calling his old friend Leonard and saying, hey, want to be in my movie? That's pretty great. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Watch Gremlins 1 and 2, James. You won't be disappointed. Okay. Um, however, this animated show, I don't know. I mean, if I go to Warner's media, Warner, Warner Media's site and buy their streaming service, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, I'm going to like vehemently not. Well, it's from Amblin Television, so by Spielberg Law, you have to watch it. Uh, oh, we didn't watch the movies anyway, so you already broke Spielberg Law. Do they, is there some reason? Like, Is there going to be something there that I need to have? Warner, from Warner Streaming? Yeah classic films that only i like but i own those the movies i want uh then no you're fine they they need a shitty star trek discovery (laughs) if they want to lure me in we'll get there go fresh fresh prince origins (laughs) okay um so um uh, this this uh very big company called disney bought fox this one time and um, they collapsed a lot of divisions and have started chopping away at some projects. And one of them is very sad for me because um, there was going to be an Alienation remake helmed by Jeff Nichols of Midnight Special, Mud, and Take Shelter. This sucks. Okay. Not necessarily because Alienation is something I was dying to watch. Yeah, I didn't but, care until you said Jeff Nichols. Yeah, see, Jeff Nichols is the thing. I want that man's work on the screen. I think Midnight Special is an underrated flick. But, but... But the, what if Jeff Nichols just goes and makes more things like the things he's made? Oh, I'm not disagreeing with that either because this could compel him to do something amazing. Like the only film of his I haven't seen is Loving. If he's got a really great idea and now he can't make it Alienation, he could go make like a cool new thing mm-hmm. and use that idea but have it be called anything else. I, I agree. My my my. my the sadness about it is that it's a project that was long gestating totally. that he worked on, and now Disney yeah. decided, we don't need that. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, it was bad. Um, we got a trailer for Mulan, uh, the live-action remake, oh, which right. looks fun. Speaking of Disney. We got here. Yeah. Oh, shoot, I haven't um, seen that yet. Looks like lots of fun. Um, I'm down with it. Cool. Yeah. Um, into another. Are, divi- we, are we super tired of Disney remakes yet? Like one a year, I would have been okay with. I mean, like at this point, I'd like to watch them as long as they're well made. Like, I, I mean, I don't care about casting controversies. I don't care about like how good the trailer is and whatnot. It's just like ultimately, does the movie pique my interest? Like, I still want to see Aladdin, but like it, 
Did wasn't any of us see Aladdin? I did. He did. Oh, it's just I. It's it's just it's not at the top of my list of interests right now. Yeah. Um, like Jungle Book was because there's a there's a deeper childhood connection with me for Jungle Book. Yeah. Um, and Beauty and the Beast is well, a, Jungle Book was really good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and Beauty and the Beast was one with like my mom showed me yeah. Beauty and the Beast when I was a kid, so she wanted to go. Yeah. That's so. a really good. Yeah. Um, anyway. and also I like Bill Condon. Um, and Ian McKellen. So. That's why yeah. I went to Beauty and the Beast. Moving on to another division of Disney, though. Marvel Studios is coming to San Diego Comic-Con for a 90-minute panel in Hall H. So if any of you guys are going to San Diego Comic-Con, be sure to go to Hall H and watch Marvel Studios explain things. Cool. Or not explain things. They could keep everything a mystery for 90 minutes. It'd be really great if they announced their release title. Like I think that's what it calendar, is. Yeah. You know what it should be? It should like just, just give us the next five movies. You know what it should be? It should be 90 minutes of Sam Rockwell doing the Justin Hammer dance on stage. <laughs> that would be epic. If uh, if if there was a movie with Hammer in it, that'd be great. Because yeah. we don't have anything with dates or titles past Far From Home, do we? No. Yeah. Right now, we have nothing. Uh, it's it's why it, they have to. Like, you know, I partially I'd like them to make some announcements so that we kind of know what new stuff they're coming up with. Because um, you know they're going to give us they're going to give you a Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy three date. They're going to give you a new Spider Man date. Black Panther. Um, they're going to give you a Black Panther date. It'd be nice if they gave some Captain direction Marvel to probably. where, yeah, and a Captain Marvel date. Could, It'd be nice if we got some direction on Avengers-wise. Where are we going? Mm. Um, are you giving us a Young Avengers? Are you giving us a an uh, an eight or not a team? New uh, Avengers, a force, <laughs> an A team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you like that remake from the 2011 dude too, don't yeah. you? I do. Isn't it's it weird? There was a time where like we we had a slate. We were like seeing three years ahead, yeah. constantly, and all of a sudden now there's nothing. Well, and I think some of that is intentional because they kind of don't. Yeah, you don't want to spoil everything. Oh, Doctor well, Strange. I also yeah, Doctor yeah. Strange. I kind of don't want them to set up a new. I want the phase. And Kevin Feige's even said like the phase thing is kind of going away. And if they don't set up a new Thanos, they can just make movies now and not necessarily have this daunting task in front of them. Um, or they, they can, can just let the characters breathe. Yeah. Or like, they can do my idea, which is take Stan Lee's brain and put it into a robot. And, and so that way he can do more cameos. Yeah. And then go remake um, <laughs> Robocop. To with Stan Lee. <laughs> by injecting weird nuke drugs into Stan Lee. <laughs> Your move, spider friend creep. <laughs> um, so, um, hey, this is interesting. Uh, n- there was going to be a Lionsgate Entertainment City in the middle of New York's Times Square, and that's now ha- not happening. The hell is Lionsgate it, Entertainment City? I guess it was going to be their version of a Disneyland, but it was going to have stuff from The Hunger Games, John Wick, and Mad Men. That so the, sounds like the most debaucherous there, There's going to be park. like a Mad Men bar. So it's Planet Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty okay, much. But for Lionsgate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, what would the no Hunger- roller coasters? So would the Hunger Games be you fight for your meal? And probably just uh, laser tag. Probably yeah. <laughs> it's probably just like laser tag and Pan Am. They put you in a box and throw bees at you. <laughs> they make you stand oh. in a line and deny you bread. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Oh. I was gonna say you get your dinner, but then you're taunted by Donald Sutherland in a wheelchair for an hour during mm-hmm. meals. Um, uh, no, no, no. It's actually, it's actually that there's a menu. But you don't get to pick what you want because you don't actually have any agency in your own fucking story. What? Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. 
Um, and there was going to be a John Wick element, which I don't know. You have to shoot your because way out not? to yeah. not pay the bill. Yeah. 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 You kill dogs for like 30 minutes. Yeah. You you can only pay in weird gold coins. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably just a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can stay there. Yeah. Uh, uh, so... Um, Second to last news, uh, that Lord of the Rings series got a director, J.A. Biona, from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That's too bad. Um, I don't think he's a terrible director, so um, we'll see what he does with television. Yeah, let's hope. Um, so, but that's good. Uh, and in final news, we're going to talk about uh, one of James's favorite people. Uh, Quentin Tarantino says he doesn't know if he's going to make another movie or not. Uh, he, this may be his last movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, coming out in two weeks, uh, unless he changes his mind. Um, Great. Here's the thing. I've been Let hearing me know the next time he I, masturbates I, I, in public. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, no, I, I just don't give it. Either make another movie or don't. I don't like, believe him. Don't talk about it. Yeah. Either do it or don't. Like, that's even more up in the air. Like, than up in the air. Oh my god, that's just obnoxious. Like, what a blowhard. Here's and I like his movies and I like him, but what a blowhard thing to do is go out there and talk like anybody gives a shit about. What you think today you're gonna do for a job? You know, here's the thing. It's also the same one. One, it's the same thing Steven Soderbergh kept doing, where he kept threatening to retire and then ended up ultimately yeah, not doing. Yeah, but that's because he's like a twisted, you know, self-hating artist. Um, Kevin Smith did it too. Yeah, yeah, but that's because he smokes too much weed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, though, second thing is, though, I read the interview where he gave that quote, and it seems like this is just one thing that interviewers like to discuss because they do want to genuinely know because he opened the and, door. The, and the thing is is that i don't know if he has a solid answer for it because he said this might be the last one because he would just want to go out on top because it has been getting good reception yeah um i don't know i mean i think he's just probably just... frustrated because the film business is changing and he wants to stay old school yeah you know i, I, I but that's fine he's made enough money he can make movies however he wants to or yeah. he can write the like, write the movie books he wants to write or the plays he wants to write right. which are totally cool he can still write movies and not direct them like yeah. um that you know he did have a direct quote that i do want to read for you which is um yeah i heard that james hart didn't like my last movie all right man and so i've got to make a good movie again so that he can get back into my into my world okay i don't want to i i don't want to isolate him dude i'm i'm glad he has me on his mind yes exactly this is all is for you, true. James. He's been going downhill for a while, and it'd be nice for him to make a movie that is worth watching. This is what he also said. I mean, James is wrong about the Hateful Eight, but it's all right, man. Can you dig it, Jack? Can you believe um, the Star Trek film is still going forward? I don't... Uh, no <laughs> one knows what's going on with That's that. That's so weird. I mean, probably not. There's a box set called The Kelvin Timeline with the three movies in they're, it. Yeah, they're pretty much wrapped on that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but I, I mean, uh, all kidding aside... We're um, waiting for that Discovery movie. All kidding aside, though, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does look fun. Um, yeah. And actually, there is a podcast of him talking with uh, the Pure Cinema podcast where they go through the entire lineup of the new Beverly uh, schedule for July and mm. how it pertains to the film. And uh, it's cool. two and a half hours of Quentin describing every movie on that schedule. And <laughs> it is pretty entertaining. Um, I, uh, so if you want to check that out, go overhead to that to that show. I was pretty disappointed that I got the I got the first trailer for Hollywood in front of. Oh, Spider-Man. you didn't get the red band? No. Ooh. Well, I mean, of course I didn't get the red band, but there was a second trailer after that. Because when the red band came out, I thought there was a green band version of that trailer. That's not 
That's the one where she talk, where she makes a joke about like, oh, I'm the I'm the the ditzy girl. I, I'm the class. Like, there's yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a Green Band version of that trailer. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, it's not as fun though because Brad Pitt doesn't say in it, "You're Rick fucking Dalton." Don't you forget it? Yeah. Oh no no yeah of course. Um, but that trailer is really good. Yeah. But anyway, I'm excited. And also, I like the way that it uses Neil Diamond and makes Neil Diamond cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's never been done before. No one has ever said, "Oh man, Neil Diamond is so cool." <laughs> I mean, his music's fine, I guess. Uh, but anyway, that is news. Cool. Uh, hey, oh, uh, we got a voicemail from Corinne. Uh, Brad, you want to roll that voicemail? All right, here we go. Catching the Classics. Hey, nerds. Corinne here for part 20.8 of Catching the Classics, which is actually part 8 of Catching the Miyazaki Classics, where I'm going through all 11 films directed by Hayao Miyazaki. This week you get a double feature of My Neighbor Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service, which are Miyazaki's fourth and fifth movies, respectively. Um, so let me actually tackle Kiki's Delivery Service first. I'm not going to talk about it too much because I did submit it as part of my 1989 film explosion list, and I did talk about it a little bit there. So if you're interested in hearing more about it after today's recording, you should either go check out the 1989 Film Explosion episode or go check out the realnerdspodcast.com and you will see the article posted up there. So Kiki's Delivery Service is about a young witch named Kiki who leaves home to kind of start her young, I guess, kind of. it's kind of like an apprentice year for witches is that they're supposed to leave home at 13 and spend a year in a different city doing whatever. And because Kiki is not very good at any kind of like witch-related activities, the only thing she's decent at is flying on her broomstick. So that's what she decides to do. She decides to start a business where she delivers um, things. And uh, that's pretty much the movie. There's really not a lot of conflict or plot to it like there are some moments where um especially toward the end where there is a con you know there Kiki's trying to do stuff and save people um but it's kind of more episodic where Kiki will have one problem you know she's like trying to deliver a package and the package gets damaged so she has to deal with that and then the next time she has to you know she's trying to go to a party but she's also trying to get this thing delivered on time and so yeah it's almost more episodic than it is kind of like a overarching single plot line but it's still a very cute and charming movie um again this is kind of an older Miyazaki movie so the colors don't pop as much um the opening shots where she's like laying in the grass in this like meadow and there's like a lake nearby and it it doesn't look bad it just looks kind of muted compared to newer Miyazaki movies newer Studio Ghibli stuff but I mean obviously I can't hate on it just because it's old so um Kiki's Delivery Service I'm gonna give it a B plus A minus it's like borderline for me because Again, while it doesn't really have a plot to it, I realize this is kind of more for younger audiences. And actually, cards on the table, this is the first Miyazaki movie I ever saw, and it's the only one I ever watched as a kid. So it it does have a little special place in my heart because of that. And I think it is a really cute and charming movie, and 
maybe not everybody would like it, but I think that for a movie that's kind of about nothing, <laughs> this is a pretty good movie. Um, unlike My Neighbor Totoro, which I'll talk about here in a second. But yeah, I'm going to give Kiki's Delivery Service a B plus slash A minus, right? Like borderline between the two. Okay, so My Neighbor Totoro. We need to talk about this movie. So I have seen both of these before, obviously. It had been a while since I saw My Neighbor Totoro and... You guys, like, you nerds, like to criticize Ponyo for being a movie for babies. My Neighbor Totoro is really more a movie for babies because, kind of like Kiki's Delivery Service, this doesn't really have a plot to it. Um, but, I mean, Kiki's, like, the setup, I think, draws you more into it. But with My Neighbor Totoro, the setup is pretty much the entire movie that you just... You have these these two sisters, Satsuki and May. Satsuki's probably like nine and May is four. And they move with their dad into this new house in the country. Their mom is in the hospital. We're not really sure with what. It's it seems to be set in more like nineteen thirties maybe, because there's one shot where somebody has like a really old phone. So I'm assuming it's not set in the modern day, but it's kinda hard to tell based on um, just like the clothes that they wear. It's really more the technology that gives it away. But anyway, so they move with their dad into this new house, or into a an older house, and the girls start thinking that it's haunted. And then they end up meeting and befriending the nearby forest spirits, one of whom is named Totoro, which if you've ever seen any artwork of Studio Ghibli's, um, or like the logo for Studio Ghibli, that is artwork from My Neighbor Totoro of the little, I don't even know what they would, I guess they kind of look like roundish cats is maybe the best way to describe them. Like, I'm sure you guys have seen them. They kind of have this like kind of oblong oval shape to them, but they're super cute. And they have like the little ones sitting on top of the bigger one. That is artwork from My Neighbor Totoro. So kind of like Kiki's Delivery Service, it's really more episodic than it is with this, you know, like longer um, plot line. But it's unlike Kiki's Delivery Service, where I think you like the character of Kiki enough and you, you know, it's a good setup that you're kind of invested in it. In My Neighbor Totoro, the kids are younger, so you kind of have like the Ponyo effect of annoying little kids running around for a good portion of the movie there are parts where it's fine and there are parts where it's like okay let's let's get let's get going here um but it also kind of has like the slow almost dull um kind of everyday sort of like looking in on them that the wind rises does so it's like dull and slow meets little children and Yes, there are obviously some parts in it that are very cute and charming and good, but I really think that this movie would have been better as a short. Like, you know, like the stuff you see before the Pixar movies. It would have been better as a short than a full-length movie, in my opinion. Um, I mean, this is kind of like trying to make a full-length feature out of Piper. Like, you can do it, but why? <laughs> I feel like there's more charm in keeping it brief 
and not having to like deal with everything. Um, the best part of the movie for me was the end. So mild spoilers ahead. Satsuki and May get into a, um, a bit of an argument when they find out that their mom can't come home from the hospital and they both get really upset and Satsuki yells at May about something and May tries to run to the hospital, but she's like four. So of course she gets lost. And then Satsuki is like running all over the countryside, which what a track star she is. She's running all over the place to try to find her. And she ends up going to Totoro and asking for Totoro's help. And there is this very cute sequence where the girls meet up and they, you know, reconcile. And then they go and they look in on their mom. And it's it's very cute. And it kind of does end a little bit abruptly, in my opinion, but not in, like, a bad way. Because, again, this is a movie for younger kids, so there's not really much else you can do after the main conflict, which is May running away, um, is resolved. So, um, the best part of the movie, for the, at least, like, they do have two sisters voicing Satsuki and May. It's Elle and Dakota Fanning. And then you also have Superman and Ursula. Um, that is Tim Tim Daly and Pat Carroll, respectively. They are voicing Tim Daly is one is the dad, and Pat Carroll is one of the neighbors. So, I mean, it's a pretty good voice cast, but it's mostly the sisters talking and Totoro, who just kind of growls and doesn't really make a lot of noise or talk. So. I'm not, I don't feel like it's worse than Lupin the Third because the animation's better. I think it is for younger audiences, so I guess I can't be like, the plot's better. But I don't know. I feel like I had more fun with this movie, marginally more fun with My Neighbor Totoro. And I, I love like the concepts and the character designs for this for all the forest spirits and creatures and everything. So I got to give it props for that at least. I would probably put it on the same um, ranking as like Castle in the Sky where it's like you can watch it, but there are better Miyazaki movies out there. So I guess if you have like a four-year-old who's really bored, they can watch My Neighbor Totoro and they would probably be entertained. You, on the other hand, might not be. I mean, again, it's cute, but I think it would have been better as a short film instead of a full-length movie. So, My Neighbor Totoro, I'm going to give it a B-. Because, again, I think it was a little bit better than Lupin the Third, The Castle of Cagliostro, but I wouldn't say it's better than Castle in the Sky or any of the other Miyazaki movies I've watched so far. So that's enough from me, and I uh, hope you all had fun at your movie this week. And I will talk to you next time when I review Princess Mononoke. We've only got two left. It's just Princess Mononoke and Howl's Moving Castle. So I will talk to you next time. Bye. Incorrect. My Neighbor Totoro, I just watched like three weeks ago, and I still really enjoyed it. Um, uh, and But uh, it doesn't really have a plot. She's right. <laughs> I, I mean... I haven't watched them in a while, so I can't make a comment. But I will say, I don't think Ponyo's for babies. Brad is the monster that thinks it's just for babies. I think the trailer for Ponyo is for babies. <laughs> but the movie itself is fine. 
Oh, I didn't see the movie you itself. Didn't see the movie it was, no, 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 no. It, is a, it is a movie for children, yes, but it is adorable, and I would show it to my nephew. I mean, it's for so everybody, maybe it is but for babies. it is about children. God. It looked like it was for yeah, babies. Yeah, it's, it's a movie for children. It's a movie for children, guys. How to Train Your Dragons for children. Toy Ooh, Story. Fucking badass. Toy Story 3 is for children. It's, uh, man, children Up is for children. Wow. It is. Anyway, that was really good. There's a talking dog in Up. Thanks, Corinne. <laughs> yeah, don't forget to check out our articles on the website. Yeah, absolutely. She's posting a lot. They've been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, moving right along, how about we do... Around Town? Do you, oh, how about we do All Around Town? Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Brad's going around town. Dun, dun. Uh, yeah, so the drive-in, I believe, is still just doing Toy Story 4, Godzilla, and Aladdin. Right on. Um, That's been a solid lineup for them, though. I saw one of their posts saying they sold out. Yeah, they sold out this Saturday. Wow. So There you go. Good for them. Power um, of the drive-in, guys. Power of the drive-in. Godzilla at the drive-in would be cool. Dude, it would be fucking awesome. Yeah, God. I should go do that. Then you get to hear that cool Br'er McCrary and, uh, song version of the... Um, I just found out. I thought I didn't realize it was a cover of a song by Blue Oyster Cult, yeah. but it's uh, it's it's uh, like Go Go Godzilla. It's it's a great song. Their version of it's great, huh? And of course, the Esquire uh, Midnight's are back, and uh, July twelfth and thirteenth, they're showing Blazing Saddles, Ooh. which is a movie that premiered at the Esquire in nineteen seventy four. Hell wow, yeah, that's cool. So yeah, they're celebrating that. Yeah, man, Mel Brooks's uh, Western classic. Go check it out. Yeah, and, hashtag uh, Go Mel Brooks. Jumping ahead, uh, July 19th and 20th, they're going to do Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Hell yeah. So they're going to be there for that. Cool. Yeah. And that's what's going on around town. Hey, did you guys know today is Billy Campbell's birthday? Did you send him something? Uh, n- well, no. I mean, he's busy making that sequel to The Rocketeer. <laughs> is he? Really? I wish I could live he's, in your world for a can minute. St- <laughs> you guys still think that's happening, right? Is, it, is this something that's just happening in your mind? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Disney said they were going to make a sequel, guys. You know what? Anything is possible because did you hear they're making a Venom movie with Tom Hardy? God damn it. <laughs> I think they're making a preacher TV show. It's going to come out eventually. They did. He was okay. Okay? He was okay. Okay. Brad, is that it? That's it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, cool. This week, uh, here's what's coming out on Blu-ray. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Some interesting titles. Uh, yeah, this um, the 4K release of Pet Cemetery, the remake, is out this week. You will find out like, if Dead is better. Uh, there's there's steel books. There's box sets with the original. Um, Two packs. Yeah, all that stuff. All kinds of stuff. Uh, there's also the Robert Pattinson sci-fi movie High Life, which I uh, saw. Translate. Was it good? It was good. Well, cool. he's good in it. I don't know. I still don't know yet how I feel about the film itself. I still, I think it's very interesting as a horror sci-fi thing, but cool. Um, <clears throat> it there are moments in it that are laggy, but okay. It's Claire Denis, so you interesting. Know, it is, yes. Okay. It is worth that. Worth that kind of viewing, yes. Cool. Um, uh, from Kino Lorber this week is a Godard film called Alphaville. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can pick that up. Hell yeah. Uh, the 
is this the final? Oh, no, no. Sorry. This is the complete series of Gotham is out on Blu-ray this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can check that out. I watched a YouTube video explaining the weird story of their version of the Joker and why it's so fucked up and backwards. That's fascinating. Awful, <laughs> but fascinating. It's a wild show. Uh, started out trying to be uh, serious and faithful, and right, it went off the rails real quick. Yeah. Well, yeah, the I mean, the lo- the long story short is that like they weren't given the the rights to use the Joker, so they just wrote in a character who was the Joker but never has that name, and it's so like ass backwards. And they then that became the show was like, oh shit, we we are people are only watching to see this thing we can't do. Um, anyway, Zach, what do you think of the room? It's fascinating, <laughs> awful, but fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't watched the fifth season yet, but I haven't seen anything to suggest that, uh, you know, as they were crashing and burning into the series finale, like they yeah. still didn't give Jim Gordon his mustache, <laughs> even though they jump ahead in time. It's the only thing you wanted. I was like, why not? Like, <laughs> that's. I mean, he doesn't have to. Yeah. He's a young Jim Gordon, but like, right. as far as iconic homages to everything is That's like weird they, w- they wouldn't Just, give them the rights to the joker but that dc label is all over that goddamn box set oh yeah hmm. uh the uh season four of the magicians that on uh blu-ray this week uh so if you were at that panel at denver comic-con mm-hmm. you can pick that up mm-hmm. uh the imax film space station is out in 4k this week mm-hmm. uh which is a cool one um, sequel to gas station <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna punch. Pull you. his plug. There's a lot of NASA stuff. <laughs> Did you lately. miss me? Uh, it's because there's also a Blu-ray of NASA: Journey Through Space, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Mill Creek production, uh, and then there's also the PBS series. I think it's a series. Yeah, there's a miniseries called Chasing the Moon. Yep. Um, it's an so American all experience. of those are out on Blu-ray right now. Uh, there's also from Shout Factory this week is a release of Silent Hill. Is that Scream Factories? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Scream I've never seen Shout Factory. Same I've, thing. I've never seen Silent Hill, um, and yeah. I've never played the game. So I obviously haven't either. There's a lot of cleavage on this cover <laughs> for a horror, like, and not like sexy cleavage, just like weird horror ladies, and then like big boobs. Yeah, it's really weird. It's kind of like in one of the segments in and that then pyramid head. Yeah, no, it's 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 weird. It's a weird cover. Um, uh, that's not the only thing Shout's putting out. Similarly, though. we heard this week uh, Universal's putting out a 4K release of Hulk, just Hulk, Angley's Hulk. I you know. Heard, I heard a podcast recently that made me want to rewatch it. Yeah. Oh no, I've I've been interested. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I think Hulk. Angley, Angley can be interesting. Um. There's a steelbook version of Mothra out this week as well. Yes. So you can check out. Not Gamera. Gamera's friend to children. This is Mothra, right. mightiest monster of all creation. Um, shoot. I may have accidentally closed. Oh, no, I didn't. I'm saving the other one. Uh, actually, no, we'll do it next. Um, also from Shout Factory, This Island Earth. Without MST3K commentary, Yeah, just regular-ass This Island Earth. Yeah, because it is a sci-fi classic in spite of... You know, there's people yeah, that hate that they did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's because that, that movie, there are people who really love that movie. But and I also <laughs> really love the MST3K version of that movie. Oh, yeah. So I can have both. It's fun. I mean, um, I mean I'm sure there's people out there who are big fans of Mitchell. Never met one. <laughs> but and it's unlikely you're going to in your lifetime. <laughs> they should, they should, when MST3K does movies like that, they should do a non-commentary track. 
over the movie. They so should, you, well, you they could just edit, watch the regular back in the day because they were doing it for TV. They would actually edit the movie down. Well, yeah, because the they movie, would edit though. out the well, the, the movie. Oh, you're right. The movie got whittled down even more because the yes. studio kept diddling around with it, and then they would just promote barbed wire Don't instead of the movie. <laughs> I'm gonna call it that because it feels like the movie had Don't some say traumatic diddle experiences. Don't talk about barbed wire at the yeah. same time. No, exactly. Um, huh. There's also a 4K release of Waterworld this week. I've never seen Waterworld. I like that joke in The Simpsons where Millhouse puts 40 quarters into the Waterworld machine. There's a lot of releases of Waterworld this like recently because yeah. Arrow did one. I've seen it a few times. There's yeah. an honest trailer for Waterworld that was floating about. Like, it's getting they, a lot of attention. Is Kevin Costner making a comeback? Is that what's happening? He's <laughs> Wait, I thought he already did. Because we put was him in Waterworld this... his comeback. <laughs> no, we put him in the Superman movies. Oh, yeah, but then we and killed draft him with a tor- day. tornado. Remember draft day? Like, he didn't even get lasers to the face. Like He just got sucked up by a tornado he could don't, have avoided. Don't forget, before that, he held out his hand to stop Superman. <laughs> but wouldn't it have been better if Superman had just saved his death? God damn it. Because we needed that scene in Batman v Superman where he talks about hero cake. Just, just stop. <laughs> okay, fi- final thing from Kino this week is Tough Turf, where reputations are earned, Starring Robert Downey Jr. and James Spader on Blu-ray. And Kim Def- Richards. Definitely a movie that Ryan did not already own on Blu-ray. Uh, so there you go. Check out Tough Turf. These these are some badass looking dudes. Look at look at just the attitude on James Spader's face. They ain't fucking with his, around. With his leather jacket. Man. I, I tell you, they ain't messing around. Sheesh, reputations are getting earned. Um, oh, uh, there's also Little, uh, that flick with uh, Regina Hall and um, oh, yeah. the gal from Blackish uh, Shoot, that you I can check that. out. Yeah. Um, there's also Savage Beach. Yes, <laughs> Savage Beach. Uh, there's also is... Pet Shop of Horrors. That's pretty good, guys. Oh, is it? Wait, where's that? It's oh. an anime. No, no, oh, I know, okay. but where is it? I yeah. Uh, there it is. Oh, because this is the one you were talking about. Yeah, I just pre-ordered it. <laughs> Ooh, fucking A, nice. Um, well, you are forgetting uh, one thing, uh, Mr. James. What? Uh, uh, Warner Archive is putting out a actually really good Clint Eastwood movie called Bronco Billy, uh, which is about a Clint Eastwood plays a guy who abandons his humdrum life and opens a rodeo, and it's charming. Cool. Yeah. He does sing in it. There's a keynote release of... <laughs> <laughs> Of Peter Pan from 1924. Yeah, we could just read all of them. Yeah, exactly. But we could move on. Let's move Let's on. Keep to what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what have you been watching this week, or, uh, or lately? Yeah, I got a couple things. How uh, you doing? We were talking about earlier. Uh, Stranger Things three dropped. Yeah. Season three. Season three. You um, finished it, and I finished it twice. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, it's only eight episodes, um, yeah. but they're all yeah, almost an hour long each. <sighs> yeah, um, and it's talk about so time travel. Fucking good. It's a uh, it's more action packed than previous seasons. I feel like yeah. Um, and we've had a we had a year off right between this one and the last one. Yeah, it was uh, well like a year and a half because it was Halloween two years ago or almost almost two years. I should yeah. say. Yeah, the first yeah. season was 2016, right? Or 2017? Uh, something like that. Yeah. Anyway. I think 2016, and then they rushed the... It was like early 2016, then 2017, October, and then it's been a year and a half, almost two years, yeah. I only bring up stuff like that is because the uh, little girl who tries to uh, grift the ice cream shop for ice cream... Yes. I thought was a new character, and Lucas's then... Lucas's sister, yeah. It's Lucas's sister. Um, so that's how 
removed I'd been from Stranger Things. Well, I'd she forgotten was so, I think she's barely in the first season, if at all. And then in the second season, yeah. she's just got a couple little scenes. Yeah. Like, they really took that character and were like, because she's so memorable in season two in her couple of little yeah. scenes that I think they want to run with her. But she's also grown up maybe the most out of everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But overall, uh, it's cool. Um, it, it's more action-packed. And they, they kind of break the kids apart to kind of, Everyone yeah. kind of do goes on their own mysteries. So there's kind of three different stories going on at the same time mm-hmm. with uh, Joyce and Hopper and then um, like Dustin and Steve, Steve uh, have their own thing going at the mall with a new character. Yeah. Cool. Um, I love that character. And then uh, the and then the main the main rest of the kids are like Mike, yeah. Mike, L, Max, uh, Lucas, yeah, Will have their own thing going on and they, they get split up and back together and they're fractured between themselves too. Yeah. So there's like real good character stuff going on in those scenes too. Like you're not those, the first couple episodes, there is a stranger things happening in the background, but the first couple episodes are a lot of just like going to the pool, going to the mall, getting reacquainted with these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Like letting them spend time together and, and having them have normal like teenager problems. And 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 Nancy, uh, she's got her own story too. Oh yes. There's like like five stories going on and they all have a purpose because they eventually connect and all the threads get pulled together at the end. There's some really fun moments when you start knowing like, Oh, that's how these two things are going to tie together. The, the one character who ends up being the daughter of that other guy, you know who I'm talking about? When that moment happens and I'm like, oh, that's how those two stories are going to come together. Oh, my goodness, because these people are looking for her and these people work for that douche. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some great episodes. Um, really memorable and less, a little less meandery than maybe season two was. Um, and less bit less Generic. mystery because um, yeah. I feel like everything's fairly straightforward. I mean, you can yes. kind of see which you know who the stories are going to connect together. Yeah, They're using very familiar tropes from from Stephen King kind of stories you've seen before. And tons um, of stuff from the 80s. Like there's Back yes. to the Future stuff. There's uh, Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Other and, things we can't mention because it would be spoilery for yeah. us to say it was a reference. And they're not even references. They're like they're aping those like elements from yeah. those things and like regurgitating them into Stranger Things season yeah. three and almost doing them better. I mean, I feel like the, the like there's a Terminator about... two reference, like that's not even an eighties. Yes. Thing. The Terminator reference is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all these, it's just a big nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And done really, really well. Treat. Yeah. D- done in a way where it's, it's really earned. So it's like the, the nostalgia stuff is a, a spice on top of something really good because mm-hmm. the character stuff is great. The action is great. Oh, man, the Jaws th- also, like, because Carrie Elway's. Dude, and Carrie Elway's, the further into the episode goes, or into the series, be, when he drops his nice guy voice is what I should say, um, which I don't think is really a spoiler, I almost stopped being able to recognize him. Like, he's doing such good work in that show. Um, and everybody is like the yeah. the woman, the girl who's playing Max is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters in the show. Um, yeah, it's really wonderful. And seeing uh, Eleven like branch out more because oh, she's yeah. not just like a quiet character; yes. she's learning how to just be a normal teen girl. Season two like retreads a lot of the same you know stuff as season one sometimes, and this one because they because they used a very familiar but but really good trope for the villain um 
which I won't say too much, but is a, is a thing where you can have that villain be super evil, but also weak and vulnerable in a great way. It's the, it's a thing that happens a lot in Stephen King novels. Um, like because they did that and they set up that villain so quick, it allows the show to just kind of hum along and, and focus on those characters and these mysteries in a much better way than season two does. Um, Cause season two spends a lot of time setting up like the big shadow octopus. I don't know. <laughs> Um, we gotta close a gate. I, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. There's a you know. I said something um, similar about season two. I was like, it felt like it was kind of just season one again. But yeah, because even like they but use it, Will to get captured again. Yeah, yeah. But it, in and in season two, like the villain is more ethereal and less interesting, but bigger and badder. But it had yeah. Sean Sean Astin in it, and it was adorable until <laughs> until he goes. Yeah, yeah. He's a superhero. He is a yeah. Anyway, season three is great. But, but, okay, Everyone don't say anything. Fur- don't, don't say anything further because I, yes. I, I told you off mic that I have to, I have to do you a. Have watched I, it. Yeah. I, no, no, I have watched it. I oh, but okay. I need to revisit seasons one and two before I go into three. Sure. So, um, I appreciate you being uh, cautious with the spoilers. And it's just because so all fun. I heard you was thing going into anything, thing because <laughs> it's just so fun for people to watch. Like I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And the music budget. Wow. Holy shit! I yeah. think the first. 30 minutes of episode one has like eight 80 songs in it. Uh, yeah. And they're not full great. songs. They're just like little snippets, no. but, um, but enough to break a bank. It's expensive. Oh, so good. Yeah. yeah. Like but wonder years level. There's, like there's weird Al and Huey Lewis and <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Dan, oh, Dan Laurie. It took me a second when I realized it was the weird Al version and not, uh, I was like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad he made some money on this. Yeah. So good. Well, they, you just made the upcoming week for me sound like a lot of enjoyment and fun. Oh, you'll have a good time. But like I say, I gotta I gotta revisit the first two, and I, I really remember season two a lot because I liked Sean Astin in it a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. But anyway, that's good. So I also got suckered into watching Endgame uh, again, again for for the thirteenth time, which Where? breaks my record. So there's that. Um, but you know, it was the uh, bonus edition. I saw it at the Alamo, right. and I unfortunately have to say, like, don't go see it. If you want to watch the bonus stuff, because it's pretty disappointing. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, the movie's still great. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's pretty disappointing to like sit there for three hours being like, oh boy, we're gonna see some extra cool stuff, and it starts. The first thing you see is a tribute to Stanley, which is nice, but yeah. it feels very much like we will probably be able to see that forever on the Blu-ray. Sure. Um, because even has like that copyright thing at the end. Mm, uh, when it goes to black Um, the next thing you get to see is the deleted scene of the unrendered Hulk saving a bunch of people in a satellite dish jumping off a building wait is it unrendered? he's unrendered so it's like no Mm -hmm. it's like a Playstation version of the Hulk oh that's PSX version yeah maybe Playstation 2 (laughs) but still so let me let me ask a question then Disney has all the money in the world to buy Fox but they can't render the Hulk for a no, deleted it's, it's scene. because it was a last minute thing. No, no, the, no. They should have re-released the movie in the fall. Like the rushing yeah, it before Spider Man was the wrong thing to do. I know. They yeah, should have chased the record. Yeah, but they should have chased the record in October or September. Like trying to get it out before Spider Man was a mistake. Yeah, you know. Yep. Um, so there's that, um, and that's probably a scene that, uh, like it, if it was in the movie, it would probably have been right before the Hulk. Like they they return to the Hulk at the diner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Wait, is it not edited like, into the film? It's just at the beginning. 
it's it's uh, you watch the three hours of the regular film and actually one thing i will say i felt like the opening when tony stark is giving his message to pepper potts on his helmet yeah i felt like they changed the line but that would not make sense because if nothing else in the movie changed yeah um i thought they used a different cut of that but anyway but yeah the the hulk lead scene is like you watch the stan lee thing and then it shows you this like you know the russos come on in between each and say like you know a reason you know we can't have everything in the movie so we felt like this was worth cutting and yeah hell yeah it was worth cutting because you can just you know ant-man could just say like brain bigger than his and then cut to the diner instead of like seeing the hulk saves people from a burning building yeah so yeah and then you save a ton of money on rendering the hulk so you know until I... you until you put it back in the movie three months later yeah. Uh, anyway, and then the, the last thing after that is literally the opening scene from Far From Home where Maria and Nick are in oh. the desert and then Mysterio shows up and says, you know, you shouldn't be here or whatever. Oh, and was that supposed to be like the stinger, theoretically? No. Or or was no. it just – it was just they put it in there as a stinger to tease Far From Home. It to wasn't tease Far like, From Home. It was never intended to be in the movie. Yeah. I mean, hypothetically, if Endgame had, had a like – uh, I can't remember the term right a now. Stinger, not a stinger. What do we usually call him? A stinger. Mid credit. Mid like a mid credits scene, bonus scene. That probably sure. would have been it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So anyway, a tease for the next film. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like they do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's about it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um. So Avengers Endgame bonus <sighs> edition. It didn't end up working. Like, I know. So. If they if they'd released it in September, they would have gotten that extra sixteen million. I know. Like, they, they might still so close. they might still re-release it to to push RDJ in, a, in an Oscar push. So. Sure, which yeah. I'm all for, even though those awards are yeah, bleh. whatever. Yeah, but so I also cool. watched a documentary called well, documentary slash narrative called Framing John Delorean. Okay, um, apparently was he framed? Uh, the kind of it's a, it has two meanings. Like he was. I guess people within a circle would say he was framed, but it's also like, because it's a a bit of a biopic, it's like framing his life. Sure, okay. Um, and his personality. And yeah, it's starring, uh, well, it's, sometimes it's it's starring uh, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> sometimes starring Alec Baldwin. Because it's an interesting thing. <laughs> Saturday Night Live, sometimes starring Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I guess Sorry, that's go. funny. Yeah. Um, so, I guess for years, like even since the 80s, um, Hollywood has been trying to make a biopic of John DeLorean's life because it is very fantastical. Yeah. Um, you got this guy who worked at General Motors for years, uh, created the GTO um, at Pontiac when Pontiac was a car for the elderly. Yeah. Um, so uh, increased sales uh, tremendously. And then they wanted to, uh, you know, you wanted to like branch out more, and but GM still wanted to be very safe in their advertising and, and what they built. So he was like, screw it. I'm going to go start my own car company. Um, so he took like one of their lead designers um, and, and went off to make DeLorean Motor Company. Um, you know, in uh, the, the, I think the guy's name was Bill Mitchell. Shoot. Billy Mitchell. Yeah. Anyway, Seller of America's best hot sauce. <laughs> that is the guy who really designed the DeLorean. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, DeLorean was more of the face of the company and like the energy. Um, so so he's like stockholders and stuff. Or? I wonder how he got that energy. <laughs> uh, well, see, that's a bit of a, cocaine. 
Nah, maybe. Um, <laughs> so anyway, during that whole period, uh, he's starting to live uh, the lavish lifestyle. He's getting tons of plastic surgery. He's living in California, um, possibly doing cocaine. I don't know. <laughs> but the the thing, like he, I think uh, it's been misrepresented. He wasn't really busted for doing cocaine. No. Uh, what happened was the DeLorean Motor Company was like right out of the gate, awesome. They were getting investors. It was great. And then, uh, you know, interest waned and production problems. Uh, like they tried to build the DeLorean in, oh, what country was it? Uh, Ireland. And this is a time when there's tons of strife, strife and war going on over there. But yeah. it's really it was really cheap to build a facility out there. So that's why they did it there. And that complicated things. And eventually, like, uh, money was tight. So he decided to get in, in cahoots with some bad people um, and, uh, you know, try to make some money off selling some cocaine. Unfortunately, those people were the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> so he got suckered into <laughs> trying to deal cocaine. Um, and then, yeah, he went to trial and then he got off on it initially. Um, cause I guess, uh, something about the investigation was improperly done. Yeah. So the jury let him go. Um, but that, that whole controversy destroyed his marriage. Um, you know, his fortune was wiped out. Uh, so in the, in the documentary, you see his kids, they're kind of living like his son kind of lives in like a one bedroom apartment. Um, and like, isn't doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, before the whole cocaine thing happened, the guy who designed the DeLorean, uh, John DeLorean, started to work with a guy who worked for, oh, shoot, what was the company? Some other, like, foreign sports car company. Hmm. Um, and then kind of got pushed out. Um, so, like, he, and he was, like, his best bud. Uh, but the, Bill Mitchell could see, like, there was something shady going on with the numbers. And he was like, I'm out. Um, and then it turns out that there's, like, $17 million dollars like embezzled into this separate company and that's why he got went back to trial is because the irs or the fbi found out that he was like there's like this other company called uh gdp or something company and it was you know there's this missing 17 million dollars or something Mm and uh so um yeah he lived out he died in 2005 of a heart attack Hmm. but anyway so there's that and then so they're showing documentary footage and interviews with like the kids um, and, and uh, his partners. And then Alec Baldwin will come in and they'll do reenactments of scenes from his life. And then what? Uh, Alec Baldwin will talk about meeting John DeLorean and saying like, you know, he wanted me to play him in a, f- you know, in a future movie of him and that never happened. Um, so it's kind of a weird hybrid of a, a narrative biopic and a documentary. Which has been getting some traction as a genre push recently with that uh, American animals movie that uh, movie pass put out, which hmm. Henry says is really good. Hmm. Um, huh. So it's not unheard of, uh, but does Baldwin do well within it? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the makeup's pretty good. He, he, pre, he sort of like fairly looks enough like uh, John DeLorean. Um, I mean, that guy had tons of plastic surgery, so it was probably easy to mimic. <laughs> so you're uh, saying should have gotten Richard Chamberlain to do it instead. Um, <laughs> I think the voices are a little too different because uh, I think Baldwin kind of sticks to his own, and DeLorean's is uh, different. I can't do it. Um, 
But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see uh, that guy's life. Um, huh. And then also the whole cocaine deal, I think Back to the Future came out a year later. So if he'd waited, if he just stuck with like losing money for a little bit longer, like the movie would come out and like generated more interest for DeLorean. Oh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Would have saved the company. Um, so that's unfortunate. But hey. Seriously. Interesting enough to want to check out, or yeah, I mean, uh, I saw it to see. It, it's it's like on in, indie run, so it's it's not easy to find, but it'll probably be on streaming, and I think it's worth checking out. Cool, cool, because yeah, that's an iconic car, and it's interesting to see like the man behind it, yeah, or the yeah. people behind it, because he's really more the face, and like the he, it was his idea, but like his buddy made it work. Yeah. It, it's the, the, one. the genius of that car is the way it looks, and the, he's not the guy who designed the tiny little window in the window and all, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure this has been talked about before, but in Back to the Future, the, like, the whole intention of using a DeLorean was because it was supposed to be a joke about DeLorean Car Company. Well, but well, it, no. Right? Or no, no, am no. I wrong? He make, uh, Marty makes fun of it as, like, a lame thing, partially yeah. because, like, the car had, like, a Volvo engine in it, so it was this big, heavy stainless steel car yeah. with a regular engine in it, and so it was not the fastest car, but Doc Brown is like, yeah, but it looks Yeah, cool. you, if well, you're going to time travel, like, you're going to do it in style. Right. Like, yeah. Well, it, it also like solves a... some problems, because Bob Gale's in the, in the uh, documentary, too, um, and because there's the gag of the people at the farmhouse thinking it looks like a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. They needed oh, a car right. that looked like yeah. a spaceship. Okay. So. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I just remember there too. being some kind of behind the scenes where they were like, this It was meant to be a joke to a degree, but, that, but it also served the purpose of it. So, I don't know. Yeah. But I no, think, I'm, I think in the initial like Zemeckis and Bob Gale, when they were talking about it, they're like, wouldn't it be, f- cause it was supposed to be a refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the first script, but yeah. they were joking. like, you know, oh, we need a, it would be easier if it was a car, like a car would solve a lot of our problems. Like, huh? What if it was a DeLorean? Like, wait, no. What if it was a DeLorean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's yeah. that's the story I heard. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Uh, I also got. To, I also watched Alien again, and I'm only saying that because I swear, in the opening shot of the Nostromo, there's like this pan across, like just random equipment stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a Mister Fusion on the wall. Ooh. I haven't had a chance to go back and look, but there's a Mister Fusion. Uh, obviously, it's not Mister Fusion in the movie, mm-hmm. but there's a device that looks like it came off the back of the DeLorean <laughs> and it's just propped up on the wall. But that's Fox and Universal, so I don't know why they'd be sharing props. Um, okay. Are you looking? Yes. Uh, you are correct. Yes. Uh, Do you have it? Yes. Boom. Yeah, I knew it. It is And totally, it still has the marking on it. So yeah. It is totally... It's s- probably just the prop house. Yeah, because that's 1979, and Back to the Future is 85, so... So were they just doing an alien homage, or...? It might be that the Mr. Fusion was taken from the Nostromo and put onto the DeLorean. But the prop house used it because it was so cool. Like, it's one of those things that some dude made. This is... There is a documentary waiting to be made about Mr. Fusion, or at least, like, a YouTube video. See, you say that, but I think that between the moment before Doc Brown comes back at the end of Back to the Future 1... Doc Brown had to fight a xenomorph. Oh, yeah. And that is something I want to see, which is Christopher Lloyd fighting the Queen Alien. The new alien Back to the Future shared universe. Oh, God. There's so many things you can do with this and get Predator into the mix. Why not? This is how much Doc Brown screwed up the timeline. (laughs) He creates a destitute world of the future where they're mining on space colonies and then the xenomorphs get... Robots shoot out milk. (laughs) Chest bursters happen. In reality, it's like a coffee grinder, right? 
Uh, like the original part is yeah, because like the whole Mister Fusion is based on Mister Coffee. Yeah, it's supposed to be oh, like a juicing here, thing. If you look, if you look, it's next to the coffee pot in Alien. It's next to the coffee pot and like some little straws and stuff. So it is meant to be some kind of future coffee grinder, or maybe like a juicing um, machine. Yeah, but then the but the markings are all very similar. Um. <laughs> That's really interesting. Wow, good eye, Brad. This is like room 238 level interrogation. <laughs> I was in the front row. So. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one of those things where it's like, yeah, the prop master or, or some somebody did props on both movies and thought that was a cool thing. Like, was really proud of it on the Nostromo, and he was like, I'm going to use this again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, while I talk about the next thing, you should look up on IMDb who, um, who are the – production designers or prop masters for each of those movies and see if they did crossover. Yeah. Uh, so the last thing I saw was yesterday, which oh. is the Danny, Danny Boyle. Boyle's Beatles movie. Yeah. Um, that looks fun. And it's very, I was talking to someone, uh, it, you know, they brought up like, I think it might be a movie just to market the Beatles catalog. And I was like, why would the Beatles need advertising? And I watched the movie and wow, it is very much like, Hey, check out all these great Beatles songs. Um, we wrote a movie around it. Um, so the main character, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the, it's kind of the typical, um, musician who wants to be famous, you know, he, he starts out, his career's not going great and then magical things happen. And then he goes on a rise. That's very much like, uh, most musicians today where they're discovered by a studio, they get marketing they get, uh, glammed up. Um, and then all the substance is ripped out of their songs and they just create fluff mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he can't, uh, deal with it. But also, the, you know, so the magic part is that, uh, there's like a blackout across the entire world and he gets hit by a bus because all the streetlights, he's riding his bike and the uh, streetlights go out and he gets hit by a bus, right. wakes up suddenly, um, no one on the, on earth knows who the Beatles are or is aware of their songs. Um, but he remembers them. So he's able to co-op their career, um, and pretend that they are his songs. And obviously that's what gives his rise. Um, and then, um, the, the, the main, the main part of the story that's not Beatles related is that his manager is Lily James and she, he, he's unaware that she has feelings for him and he constantly, um, ignores her. Um, as they try to make, make make his career happen, none of this makes sense. It's Lily James. What that doesn't yeah, make no, sense. No, I agree. No one, yeah, no one is. James, no one is. So how do you ignore her? Yeah, exactly. Um, even like one of his buddies mentions early on in the movie. Uh, Why are you ignoring Lily James? <laughs> he thinks they're 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 boning, and she's like, no, no, not ever, not ever. <laughs> like we've never been. Yeah. Uh. So you're like, oh, clearly she's frustrated. Um, and he's so he's still oblivious, but uh, because like he's ready to end his career and like nothing's going right. And then it's not until the end of the movie that he figures out, oh, my God, you know, this woman has been there for me this whole time. But the, the thing that doesn't work for me is like there's no reason for him to suddenly make that turn uh, because, you know, his story is that his career is working out and he's dealing with like Kate McKinnon, who's trying to ruin it. I mean, she's trying like in her head, she's making him super successful with Ed Sheeran. But, uh, you know, that's not the, 
the musician he wants to be. Right. Uh, but then the movie ends with, you know, him trying to, like, she's already moved on now that he's, you know, not working with her anymore. Yeah. Not only her being a manager, so she's moved on. And then he's, you know, like, oh, shoot, I had this girl who liked me, but that's never been an interest from him in the first place. It just feels like yeah. people have told him, like, oh, you should be dating this girl who likes you. Like, oh, I guess I will because people told me to do that. Like, I suddenly notice her because people are saying mm-hmm. that she's, no, like, into me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's what doesn't work. But, do and then they solve the problem of the, the Beatles? Like, do they suddenly remember again? Uh, so, in the middle of the movie, there's, like, three other people who come forward. So, that adds a mystery of, like, oh, these people are, like, these people do remember and they're going to ruin his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no explanation of, like, why they remember or why. Because by the end of the movie no one still like eventually he confesses that he stole these people like john ringo paul but he george but he confesses that he stole them from a different universe no he just says like there's these four people and i stole their, their but the rest of the world still doesn't know who those four people are they gotcha. just assume they're people nobody so the movie ends with those two of whom are dead yeah and also there was a fifth beetle, so there's that. True. Right. There was <laughs> oh, a fifth beetle. So he wait, never gets mentioned. No, wait, that, that is not even close to this subject. The no, fifth no. beetle. There is a fifth beetle. Yeah. There yeah. was a beetle before. Yeah, originally. no, I know, but oh, okay. he's not Ringo. part of the group that goes on to to, to be the big success. Yeah, yeah. Still, yeah, yeah. Anyway. 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 So yeah, there's no I mean, I guess, I guess there doesn't have to be, but it's it's still weird the movie ends with the whole thing not being cleared up. Other than him just saying like I, I stole these songs from four random people that you are not aware of and will never meet and never be. But, and he also meets John Lennon because <laughs> who is still alive, but old okay. in the movie. So the, the people who recognize the people who do remember with him, that there are Beatles songs, they're just grateful that he remembers them because they can't get them anywhere. And the fact that he's playing them is like, they're like, thank you um, for uh-huh. remembering. And we also did some investigating, and you should go to this address, and that's where he goes and meets John Lennon. Um, huh. But it's like it just—it's just a scene so they can go. He can go talk to a lookalike. But, but, but why don't you just? There's two of them alive. There's Ringo and Paul are still around. Get one of them to be the person at the end. Yeah, valid. Why, why do you recruit? Maybe expensive. I, I don't know. Oh, you know they what? have better shit to do than this movie. <laughs> but it's probably even Ringo. But for the movie, what's this? A script by Richard Curtis? Throw it in the garbage, Ringo. <laughs> they probably didn't because I imagine like having John Lennon on the screen because he is dead. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the fact that this fantastical event has happened mm-hmm. is probably more impressive for it to be him. I guess so. Yeah. Technically. But the other weird thing is, yeah. so he goes on a talk show, the James Corden show, mm-hmm. and then James Corden says, like, you know, we have something surpri- a surprise for you. And then, you know, he's like, oh, like, what's what's this, what's going on? And then uh, some people uh, claim to, uh, you, know, the, you know, the songs aren't yours. And then it cuts to, like, the feet of these two people walking out onto the show. Yeah, and they show that in the trailer. And then it just yeah. dissolves to him, like, somewhere else later. And like, was it those two? Like, what happened in that show? Like, oh yeah, they don't. They're show calling the rest him of that out, scene? and they don't show the rest of the scene. That's weird. And it's like I thought it was Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, because mm-hmm. that would make sense. 
Yeah. Uh, that's what the trailer made it look like. But the more obvious thing would be that it was the two people that remembered the songs. But I'm just trying to watch that sh- the result of the entire show that still goes on. Mm. Like, yeah. did the audience just go like, oh, they're just joking around. Like, Why would you take those, those people songs. seriously, right? Like, uh, it's such a weird... I, I want to watch this movie, though. Uh, I mean, I I like Richard Curtis, his, his work. Like, he did a movie called Pirate Radio that I think is really yeah. good. But. It's, it's sweet and funny in places, but, uh, like, Ryan's right. There's, like, weird Danny Boyle flourishes. Like, they're walking on the beach just having a normal conversation, and the, the, there's a, it's just a Dutch angle for some of it. Um, just because. Just because it's really inter- interesting. And, like, it... There's, because even Danny Boyle is bored. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just, like, making it way more dynamic than it needs to be. And then um, it's edited a lot. Like, there's so many cuts uh, all the time. Um, you know, no one's just kind of like sitting in a shot for too long. Um, so, yeah. Uh, did you look up the... I did. So, I have... Uh, so, the set decorations, not none of the set decoration people are the same. None of the, like, production designers are the same. Nothing appears to be the same. What I will tell you is the Mr. Fusion is based off of a Krupp's... Uh, coffee grinder the one in alien appears to just be the krupp's coffee grinder mounted to the wall if you look uh what we thought was the mr fusion like logo and stuff is not actually it's actually just the way that that coffee grinder looked uh so while they fashioned it after the krupp's coffee grinder it isn't the same piece it just looks cool to both set decoration people. I'm regretting um, not filming that and then putting the C-SPAN logo at the bottom of the frame. <laughs> so it's just so, a coincidence that they both took is, homemade items. It's and, just a coincidence because Krupp's made a really cool futuristic looking coffee grinder. Um, and a coffee grinder is basically what they wanted the Mr. Fusion to be. Mm. Uh, so yeah, um, it's a different thing. But yesterday doesn't have a Mr. Fusion. No. You're telling me. Okay, cool. No. Cool. If it does, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch anything else recently, Red? Uh, that's it. Cool. Yeah. Zach? Uh, not a whole lot. Um... I rewatched Psycho for the third time this year, uh, but this time I did it in prep for... That's psychotic. The... <laughs> Boo! Go the fuck home. I stand by it. No, <laughs> you. no you don't. You don't want to do that. Um, no, I rewatched it this, the third time I watched it this year. It's one of my favorite films of all time, but I had to rewatch it because uh, the recent episode of The Shamley Silhouette that I recorded today uh, is all about Psycho and the things it changed about certain aspects of cinema even as far as movie going, and you'll be able to hear that in two weeks. Um, for now, you can hear the latest episode, which has Aaron Pendergast talking about Rear Window. Um, uh, so you can check it out. But yeah, Psycho, still an amazing flick. Um, it's pretty wonderful. There's different angles that um, uh, uh, that we I had in my discussion that are fun to think about um, within the context of rewatching it. So um, I rewatched Nightmare Cinema again. That's proving to be one of my favorite movies of the of the year this so far. Um, cool. it's a, like I, like I said last week, it's a fun anthology flick. There's not a bad one in the bunch whatsoever. Um, I like breaking down each individual. I've been breaking down each individual story and kind of just seeing how they're able to do what they do on the budget that they have. Cause they don't really have a big budget. They didn't have a big budget for this film. Uh, so the things they were able to accomplish while, uh, restrained in that low budget is pretty inspiring. Um, and obviously you do have people like KMB coming in and helping them out, but still like there's other, there's other aspects to it and the way they're able to get around certain things. So, um, 
like I say, uh, really good flick. Um, I rewatched the first Blade at work. I've been thinking about doing that soon. You should do it. It's okay. fun. Okay. It's a fun movie. I, it's been a very long time. But here's the thing. So uh, like right after it, I started. I got halfway through Blade Two, which I hadn't watched in a while either. Um, the, the the difference between the two of them is that in Blade Two, Blade has a personality, and in the first one, Blade has no personality. Uh, Chris Christopherson has the personality, and Blade is angry. Who plays Blade in the Wesley first Snipes. Who plays Blade in the second one? Wesley Snipes. I don't believe you. No, I'm pretty sure that it's Guillermo del Toro coming in and saying, Wesley, have some fun. You are a monster. <laughs> Wesley, how about try a little? <laughs> um, but because uh, if, if you try, I'll W2 you and pay your taxes for you. It, it, that's not to say that he's bad in the first one. It's just that it's there's a clear difference between like, Blades, Blades on a mission in the first one, and the second one, he's not expecting to be on a mission, so he's a little looser. Like it okay. seems like he's having more fun, and also he solves the issue at the end of the first one, which is, oh, my mother was bitten by a vampire, and it turned out to be, um, God, what's Stephen Donald Stephen Dorf? Stephen Dorf, yeah, Stephen Dorf bit my mom, and. <laughs> Which is a real world problem as well as a vampire world problem, um, but um, so he solves that issue in the first film. So in the second one, all he has to do is save Chris Christopherson from his fate from the first film, and then after that, it turns into that whole adventure where they're off to stop the super vampires with the regular vampires. Um, and Ron Perlman's in that one, and he's fun. But the first one's fun. Like the only issue that I like really had with the film was the CGI does absolutely does not hold up whatsoever. Mm. Um, but that first scene, that opening scene in the club with the blood dripping out of the fountains, uh, as if it was a like like a rave thing, yeah. and then having Blade come in, like it's it's visually interesting, and it's surprising that this is technically the first like Marvel movie that Stan Lee, executive producer, puts his name on, and. Yeah. Just seeing that, like, Marvel movies as we know it get their start in a vampire movie. And it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, and Christopher Stopferson's great in it. He's, he's, he's just bitter and angry and smokes a lot. Um, uh, so yeah, th- those were fun. Uh, I rewatched Monster Squad. Um, uh, cause I hadn't watched it in a while. It's always good. It's wonderful. Um, my, uh, w- one of my, one of my things about the film that I loved was like the kid interactions and whatnot, but I'm also learning to love the adult interactions and whatnot. And what my favorite new favorite joke in the movie, hands down is after they've gone into the scary German guy's house and it's uh, when they cut to him and he goes, all right, children, it's your last chance. And he holds up a big knife and then it cuts to a big pie and he goes for some pie. <laughs> I just, I fell back in my chair laughing. It's a great cut and it's a great moment by black and Decker that I enjoy. Um, uh, and, uh, and also, um, Sean's little sister's saying, come on, you chicken shit. <laughs> um, uh yeah, it's like I say, it's a fun flick. Everybody should watch it. I really want to see that documentary Wolfman's Got Nards now, and I can't find it anywhere because it still hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Um so Ryan's the only one who's seen it, that lucky bastard. Um and then um uh, I don't think there's anything else that I was able to see. Uh, I've watched a lot of uh Hitchcock stuff and uh like behind the scenes stuff and that was fun. Cool. So, yeah, that's all I watched this week. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, I've just got a handful of things I want to fly through that I've watched in the last several weeks mm-hmm. since 
baby. Uh, I got a chance. There was a night we were surfing around on the Amazon box, mm-hmm. looking at what movies were for free, and one of them uh, was a Tom Hanks film I'd never seen called The Burbs. And you so had, Brooks oh, and I right. watched had, The Burbs. And you loved it and declared it the best picture of 1989. No. That's a weird movie. Um, uh, you mean a weird, great movie. It's a lot. It's it's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. You could stop right there. <laughs> yeah. It's fun and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know, like, if I'd seen it when I was, like, 15, I don't know that I would have appreciated it more. It's just one of those things that, like, I think if you saw it at the right time, probably struck you as, like, and it, and it and it didn't disturb you, probably would have struck you as, like, a really fun, funny thing. Mm-hmm. But then if you just watch it now for the first time, you're going to watch mm-hmm. it and go, like, how the fuck did this get made? And why did it get made? Because like, Joe Dante, and he's awesome. But it's just weird. Um, did you? There's did, some really great stuff in it. Uh, there, there were definitely some times I really laughed. Um, it's it's very meandery. Um, it's like, yeah. Anyway, um, did you did you? Because uh, I I when I rewatched it prior to '89 film explosion, I that was one of the. It was. I really noticed how much Looney Tunes is in it in terms of like the visual acumen and some I mean, of the gags they pull off visually. There's that one shot where they like you know force zoom uh, in on the guys screaming that is like really slapsticky. I think the but barbecue nightmare so... is also one too. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, but those things are so out of left field when they happen at the same time that it's like almost off-putting. Um, here, let me look really quick. See, this makes uh, me think you won't like Gremlins then. No, there is no way that the Burbs would have kicked anything off of my 1989 list. No, I don't uh, I, I don't imagine so. Yeah. But that makes me think that you, man, maybe you won't like Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Cause I, I, well, you may like Gremlins 1. Gremlins 2 it has a very, like, I, my conclusion about Joe Dante is that he has a very, his cartoonish nature combined with a bit of a subversive humor, that's what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And with the Burbs, I think it's, it, I, I love the film. And I think that one of the reasons I love that is for that reason. It's the same. I love most of his films. Um, there's very few films he's gotten to do where it's very straightforward and doesn't have either a, a, a true horror element or a true comedy element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, like, like I say, he's one of the, He's one of my. He's one of my new. He's one of those directors I really love watching nowadays because he's good to like watch to relax. Hmm. Um, well, the Howling maybe not. Like that, that one, I like to watch like knowing I'm going to watch a scary movie tonight. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the Burbs is fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I totally understand why my mom saw the trailer and then watched that movie and said, "What a god awful piece of shit." Uh, so I also got a chance to watch, uh, or at least sort of start watching. Uh, a Smithsonian series called Apollo's Moonshot, um, which is it's on the Smithsonian channel, which of course I don't have because who has cable? Uh, but for like four dollars, you can buy the first season on Amazon. So I, I bought the first season. Uh, there's only three episodes out so far on Amazon, but it's supposed to be five episodes it's in a called season. A, it's called Apollo's Moonshot. Apollo's Moonshot, uh, and so each episode covers. They sort of break the Apollo missions into couple into those five episodes um so the first three are all leading up to like the third episode ends with apollo 8 uh or 9 no just apollo Mm -hmm. 8 um and 
it's it's cool. It's one of those where like there's some stuff in there. the The whole thing is all made by the Smithsonian. So a couple things they show you the actual capsule, uh, your actual bits and like what they have in the Smithsonian. That like, hey, you can go actually see like mm-hmm. this is the actual capsule that John Glenn was in for a week and whatever. Um, and um, so you can see all of that stuff. It's also pretty much all interview footage and actual footage there's a few times where they're talking about something and so they'll do like a pretty crummy like cg reenactment of a thing Mm -hmm. just because in order for you to understand what they're trying to explain if you didn't know like what the agena was there's only like one picture of the agena in space so it's really hard for them to explain docking with the agena and why you would do it without like a reenactment right Um, but for the most part it's all actual footage um, which is really cool. And then a lot of either interviews with historians or audio of interviews with like the actual astronauts. Mm-hmm. Um, super cool and s- wicked cheap. So y- if you have Smitho- Smithsonian, check it out or just get it on Amazon. The title really. feels weird though. It is. Apollo like, like, Moonshot. Like that sounds like an, expo- they, that looks like, it sounds like an exploitation film that's from the seventies that we haven't found until recently. In the in the show, they will often use the phrase moonshot as if it's like this <laughs> understood like, oh, you know, it's that time we we moonshotted, you know, we really shot all over the moon. Like it, it, it but it's not a real thing. Moon I, I don't shots, know why. Moonshot, shot, shots. <laughs> yeah, it was very bizarre. Um, but I think it's a good it's a good little documentary. Mr. Data, do you want to take a moonshot? <laughs> uh, I also right before actually the night before Brooks was induced. We went and saw Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And that didn't induce labor on its own? No. Okay. Uh, the The whole goal there was to get our minds off of the fact that we were having a kid the next morning. Um, and for that, it's great. Actually, I would say Godzilla, King of the Monsters, for me, was a fantastic good time in the theater. Uh, there's these, I agree. There's these silly bits with people in them, mm-hmm. but all the parts where monsters are there are great. Are friggin' awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, like... Like, grin from ear to ear, holy shit, I'm watching this and having a fantastic time. Wonderful. Um, It is a shame. It is an absolute shame what they do to the mother character in that show, in that movie, and how, like, brilliant the twist is, and then how terribly ruined it is by the end of the movie. Like I found it confusing by the by the time we get to the last thirty minutes. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Because at that it's, point, your focus is on Godzilla. Right. Like, you are with. You are totally with it, and then Vir Formiga twists spoilers, and it's awesome. And you're like, "Holy fuck! This is a great, great twist!" And then they totally chicken out at the end and make it some garbage. And I was like, God damn. No, like, do not make this the family gets back together because we're sick. No, no, no. She can just be wrong. Like, she just gets to be wrong. And she should have survived the movie wrong. And Millie Bobby Brown should have been mad at her for being wrong and trying to kill the whole planet. Like, it, it what? What? It would have been consistent with the idea of this disaster movie where, like, lives are torn and th- views change. Like, it's just, there's something about, like... That, that could have been more dynamic. Yeah, and it's a it's a fair story. Like, it's a perfectly fine story. And then at the end when, like, no, me and Kyle, her and Kyle Chandler have to, like, go find their daughter. I'm like, no, come on, guys. Just 
at this point, just cut out all the scenes with the people. Like, literally, you could have just told the story, and then once we get to the big fight at the end, just leave everything on the cutting room floor, let everybody fight, and no one would have noticed. Like, with those action scenes, no one's going to give a shit that the humans have disappeared from the film entirely. Um, you know how you make their their story better is you have Kyle Chandler go like clear minds, clear heads, clear hearts. That's not. Now, let's the go thing, get that Godzilla. I, I uh, know, I know, it's not the exact line, but you know. Honestly, what I mean. they could have made the movie better by just making it Kyle Chandler and Millie Bobby Brown and Vera Farmiga are a family who lost a kid and they're just trying to survive the next one. Mm-hmm. Like if it had just been a very straightforward, like we're just trying to stay alive. And oops, there's Godzilla's everywhere, and we keep cutting back and forth to the the military's trying to fight Godzilla's too. And but then we just get to watch Godzilla's fight, and then we get to watch Millie Bobby Brown not get crushed by a building. That would be a fine movie. You didn't need so much stuff. If you try to have a cool twist, like just stick to your guns. But it doesn't matter because you just watch the movie for the Godzillas. I actually really like Ken Watanabe's scene where he puts the bomb near Godzilla and Yeah, is, oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's not I don't we, know if we it, went to Godzilla Godzilla's house in Atlantis. That was cool. And, like but, but here's the thing. I don't know if it works within the context of like Godzilla mythology cuz like Henry would know more about that. Don't give a shit. But I like that notion of him doing that and sticking and staying there. Yeah, Godzilla sleeps in Atlantis and if we want to wake him up, we shoot a nuke into his teeth. Like, yeah. That's awesome. The movie's awesome. Yep. It's awesome. It's so good to see on the big screen with the big sound. Mm-hmm. Like it was well worth it. As a as a music aficionado for film, I've been like in Bear McCrary the past two films that I've watched where he's done the score. I think this is Godzilla King of the Monsters has one of my favorite scores in a film this year. Yeah, it was really good. It's really good. Um and actually he's the saving grace um one of the saving graces of the Child's Play remake. Uh, and also, like I said earlier in the show, that cover song of that Blue Oyster Cult song at the end credits is fucking awesome. Because <laughs> then it just leaves you out in the film on a high note after watching Godzilla defeat that de- defeat the shit out of King Ghidorah and then just taking his place as the king of the fucking monsters. Yeah, it's great. It's really wonderful. And uh, gl- gladly I will get one. Mm-hmm. Um, we started watching through the X-Files again, uh, still in season one. That show is cool. Do you still believe? Um, it's been a long time. I actually never really watched through all of the X-Files. I, I oh. started watching through it in college and then got bored and distracted. I um, stopped after Fight so. for the Future. Oh, wait, no I, I, no, I went through up to the end of the original yeah, series. I, I think even for this, I will probably watch. Like, Brooks and I, well, we'll see. We're, we're watching through it kind of slowly. Um, but it's just a fun little popcorn thing to throw on. I never, the kid. I never saw the film I want to believe. I never I did played too. our theater and I've just heard, I've heard so many bad things that I've just stayed away from it. Yeah. Um, I also am, am making a diligent effort to watch through Star Trek discovery again. Woo! I'm, I'm like seven episodes into the first season now, which is twice as many episodes as I've ever watched before. <laughs> you um, make this sound like it's an arduous journey. It's not always fun. Okay. Um, the episode with with so here's what here's like my relate. This will just sum up my relationship with with Discovery. Episode ends. They show me the little trailer for next week, and then the next week the trailer is like, oh, uh, annoying blonde dude is telling everybody we're stuck in a thirty minute time loop. Uh oh, watch next week on on all access. And and I look at that little trailer and I'm like, God, I can't roll my eyes hard enough at the fact that 
four episodes in, we've decided to already do a time loop thing. And then I watched that one, and it's a Harry Mudd episode, and it's actually quite wonderful. What? It's a wonderful little episode. They, who plays Harry Mudd? Dwayne Wilson. Oh, because he's in the yeah. first season, isn't he? Oh, no, this is the first season. Oh, you're, oh, you're back so, in the first season. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the, oh, dude. I haven't watched It's it hard yet. enough to finish the first season. Okay, I haven't watched the first. I haven't watched any of it yet. So you know, so there's like these things it does, and I roll my eyes as hard as I can, but I just keep watching. And then there's things, times where it's really great. The episode right before that, mind-numbingly want to shit in my own mouth, stupid. Like <laughs> the episode before that is this <laughs> stupid one about Spock's dad dying on a ship somewhere, so they can tell all of this garbage Sarek? exposition. Sarek about- dies. Well, no, he's not actually. He doesn't actually die, but okay. he is dying in a ship, and they have to go. Michael has to go save him, mm-hmm. and it's basically just a shitty excuse to tell a bunch of bad exposition about why the the uh, uh, CBS forced them to make this main character Spock's sister. That uh, like, you, I watched the show, and I could just see why Brian Fuller left because you could just. It just feels like there's shit shoved in here that they just have to fucking get through i don't like um, that brian fuller's been disrespected by all three major networks he's probably hard to work with at some point he's it's probably also a genius fault. i it's also probably hannibal. some of his fault hannibal I, dude i know <laughs> uh hey you know how i know i'm right hannibal hannibal um so anyway <laughs> i'm getting through all right have you been watching season two is it good no i was gonna wait for the blu-ray okay all right I'm, I might pay for a month of CBS All Access just to catch up, because I heard yeah. season two is fantastic. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm doing this. I'm doing this, yeah. But it's just rough. If I learned anything from the next-gen rewatch, sometimes it takes Star Trek a little bit to get off the ground. That's what I'm thinking. But I also don't feel like this series is going to I don't want to hear it, James. This isn't because the budget is low. Yeah, it's like that's the, not what the most I mean. expensive series has ever made. That that any any Trek show has to find its footing at some point. Like yeah, yeah all the, the only first re- seasons are yeah, yeah. The only reason the first original series season finds its footing right away is because it it's it's a brand new concept. But it didn't have to be this way. And it's everything they do that I agree. happens with this. It all feels like like studio intervention. Oh, I agree. We could have gone beyond Next Generation into like a different like or like spread off from DS Nine or Voyager. We could have done a lot of different things. We don't have to necessarily keep going back to the past with Star Trek. We probably should be going into the future. And it's kind of a defeat that the Enterprise has to show up in the Discovery show to make yeah. it more interesting. Right. Mm, like it yeah. it should be. It should work on its own. Especially when the discovery is actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting up its own ass. Like, the whole spore drive thing is taxing on my brain. <laughs> um, I imagine but you I say... just I just swallow it and move on. I've, eventually, it's not going to work because it doesn't show up in the 24th century. So Fair. Yeah. I think this yeah. ship's going to blow up somewhere. Well, but it, you know, then you could just tell yourself it's a Kelvin universe thing, and then mm-hmm. or it gets decommissioned at some point. You know, but why would it? If, anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, Henry told me to go watch the Old Man and the Gun. I did. It's great. You should watch it. Moving on. Uh, wait, 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 wait. We're not going to talk about how that was supposed to be Robert Redford's last movie, and then he lied and was in Avengers Endgame. I don't give a shit. Okay, he was in this movie. It was great. People okay. should see it. All right, wonderful. Uh, it's really good. Um, Stranger Things, cool, awesome. Did that. Everybody's talked about what they watched, talked about Blu-rays, talked about news. This week, we went and saw Spider-Man Far From Home. Zach, should people see Spider-Man Far From Home? Uh, I've got a Peter Tingle about this review. Um, 
Yeah, I think you should. Um, I I actually uh, as a ra- as an end game wrap up, it's really fun and it ties the story up of this MCU, this big eleven year long experiment. Um, as a Spider Man film, though, what I appreciated is that it did some stuff that I wasn't appreciating in the last few Spider Man movies up until we got Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. So there's certain we'll get into in the review, but there are things they do with the Spider-Man character and the the relationships he has with people that I appreciated on this level that no one was able to get in uh, at the very least the Mark Webb ones. So, yeah, I will. uh, I would definitely recommend it. And I think Jake Gyllenhaal is wonderful in this flick. He is a villain that is spoilers intriguing well he's mysterio we know who mysterio is just saying doesn't set the movie doesn't set that up the trailer does not set that up okay well then and that's the mistake i made man and then bleep me um but yeah and and like i say it's 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 also it's tom holland being spider-man so there's a lot of fun with it and i actually think john favreau is really good in this movie Mm mm-hmm and he delivers a great performance. Is he bad in another movie? No, but it's just like in terms of what he's had Swingers. to do. In, it, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> made his directorial debut. Now, um, uh, just in terms of the MCU, I don't think he's had a lot to do in terms of acting, rightfully so, because he's on the creative team. Yeah. But now he's removed from it, and he gets a really he gets really good moments in this film to to flesh out the Happy Hogan character. He's a real character in this. Movie. Yeah, he's in a not way that, a real character in. Some of the other ones. In a Even way, the last one. Yeah, in a way that he hasn't been before. So. Yeah. so, yeah, I would check this out. It's a wonderful flick. Brad, should people go see Spider-Man colon Far From Home, the movie? Uh, yeah. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, The pacing is very unusual for any movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and surprisingly, there is a lot of action, but it's also light on action. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Like it's the le- the action is the least interesting part of the film. Yes. Um. Although the finale is spectacular. Yes. But everything Man. leading up to that is fairly like irrelevant. Like it's just it's not what you're looking for. You're you're more invested in the characters, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yes. So definitely go see it, and I can't wait to talk about spoiler parts. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Do, uh. Do we think we should put Ryan's review in the spoilers? Who cares what Ryan thinks about Spider Man? <laughs> I'm thinking we play it after the trailer, just yeah. in case. Just in, in case. case. We don't know what he's um, saying yet. Yeah, so I would say that people should definitely go see Disney's Marvel's Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. Um, in association it, with Columbia Pictures. It feels Pictures. very much like like, like a promise or, or a fulfillment of... Because it's a return to form in a lot of ways coming out of Endgame where things are so big and complicated. It's very much an and epilogue. So much, yeah, well, and there's so much uh, canon to, to end game. And this is just a little fun Spider-Man movie that is just about these characters that focuses on what Peter really wants and letting his character grow and have some fun. And while obviously all the stuff out of Endgame feeds into it, it's just a fun superhero movie that this is like the one that could just be this could be your first superhero movie, right? You could go into this not having seen anything else mm. and you'd know you'd know just that one thing about hey somebody died and they'd give you everything else you need and then but then you the the scene on the ship though uh with happy like without knowing would hold no weight. Oh yeah, yeah. but but it's not the movie doesn't hinge on that as much. Yeah, it wouldn't hold as much weight, but I'm saying in the way that there's so much 
baggage in a lot of the Marvel movies the last couple of years. This one has actually, I think, very little. I agree. Um, I, I do would disagree, but that's interesting that you see it that way. I see, yeah. I see where he's coming from because we're not talking about like 500 characters. We're talking mainly about Tony. Yeah, like yeah, it's still in the time in in the normal thing, but or in, in the in the canon. But this feels like a one shot you could have picked up and read this little story and gone like, oh, cool. And yeah, you don't you didn't know like, oh, okay, it's because this person just died and whatever. But you would have a lot of fun. Because the story that they're telling is fun on its own, and watching him with MJ and and you know all that stuff, I just to me, it's it's them kind of making a point of hey, just because we got huge doesn't mean that moving forward we can't tell the story that yes is still tied into the other stuff. I was gonna say Iron we, we Man need to get into spoilers because like right. there's tons of tie-ins to everything that's there happened. Is. Yes, um, but I don't think it. I, I think the movie like Mysterio's really relevant. Like his whole, yeah. like where he comes from is relevant to the Iron Man movies. So totally, it doesn't it dissuade that stuff. I just mean, but, I think but you're you right. Can you can fun. tell a smaller story. Yes, it's a smaller story that doesn't feel like it has the weight of the world setting on it. The way that the universe, it, it has only the stuff that's relevant to Peter. It's only his emotional mm-hmm. weight. Yep. It's only like that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like it's really just about him. Yeah. And the, the stakes are incredibly low, and yet we'll right. when we talk about it going forward the stakes are high for him their stakes are high for him and by the end of it they will let's play the trailer please anyway (laughs) yeah so anyway everybody should go see this movie because it's great here's the trailer from spider-man far from home afterwards we will start talking about it we will spoil things there are things you do not want spoiled for this movie you have been warned just play the trailer trailer. (laughs) everywhere i go i see his face i just really miss him yeah i miss him too I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. You going to be the next Iron Man now? Well, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy doing your jobs. What? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, keep up the good work. Because I am going on vacation. Heads up. Nick Fury's calling you. I don't really want to talk to Nick Answer Fury. Phone. Why? Because if you don't talk to him, then I have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? I gotta go. You do not ghost Nick Fury. What up, dorks? What's up? We're just talking about the trip. I'm here in St. Marco Polo's. Oh, I think MJ really likes me. That reminds me when I first fell in love. You're a very difficult person to contact, Spider-Man. This is Mr. Beck. We could use someone like you on my world. New world? Beck is from Earth, just not ours. A snap to our hole in our dimension. You're saying there's a multiverse? We have a job to do, and you're coming with us. There's gotta be someone else you can use. What about Thor? Off world. Captain Marvel. Unavailable. But I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Bitch, please, you've been to space. What do you want, Peter? I want to go back on my trip with the girl who I really like and tell her how I feel. MJ, I am Spider-Man. No, of course I'm not. I mean, it's kind of obvious. You're right, you may not be ready, but this is my responsibility. Saving the world requires sacrifice. Sometimes people die. Oh my God. I just always feel like I'm putting my friends in danger. 
The world needs the next Iron Man. Are you going to step up or not? Spider-Man? I work with Spider-Man, not for Spider-Man. New plan. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. All of the stuff with him being sad that Tony is dead and this whole question of whether or not he is the new Iron Man is very much tied into like everything else in the story. Should we do Ryan um, real quick? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Real quick. Here's, here's what Ryan thought about the movie. Real Nerds Podcast. It is the hostess with the mostest calling in to review Spider-Man Far From Home. Sorry I could not be there. Sometimes real job gets in the way. But as you probably have guessed, I love this movie. Any movie that has, I hope we're in spoilers already, any movie that has Mysterio as the villain and they pull off the illusion is A-OK in my book. My favorite scene, hands down, is when Spider-Man has to fight Mysterio through his, using his spider sense, and he defeats him. And the scene before that where Mysterio is kind of making him hallucinate and using the drones and the projections to make Spider-Man fight him, it has a lot of iconic Spider-Man Mysterio moments in it that is supplied by the great John Romita from Amazing Spider-Man 66 and 67. It's just... Uh, awesome movie. The chemistry with the cast is great. You know, it tugs at your heartstrings at one point. And then, of course, the surprise at the end with J. Jonah Jameson making a triumphant return, played by the awesome J.K. Simmons. Um, just a few things I wanted to say. Uh, I know this is going to cut me off soon, and I'll go into more detail when I see all you guys next week. Thanks for keeping the show running while I'm out, and go see Spider-Man Far From Home. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Man, I can't believe Ryan hated this movie. I, I thought it was weird to. I thought yeah. it was weird to for him to just like go full out assault on the color of the costumes in each individual scene, as yeah. opposed to just accepting that it's a superhero. I feel I mean, like I, making I, Batman his new favorite character is really that like that seems like a stretch. Yeah, like that's maybe too far. Like yeah. a bit of a reaction. Yeah, I was really surprised by the racist comments. To be completely, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, pissing on his copy of Spider Man Three was way too far. A bit too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we should probably just censor those. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's really fun. Yeah. It's, uh, Mysterio looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Like every second he's on screen, it's just the coolest and, and thing what to a, look at. What did like? I I was impressed that how they made it him more based in science. I'm not familiar with the comics, but yeah. it seemed like in the comics he was more magical. Um, um, no, he's he's more con manny think like uh, scarecrow kind of thing he's he's definitely smoke and mirrors mm -hmm. you know he it is it is an illusion it is always yeah. an illusion but tying it into like movie special effects so he's wearing like a mocap oh, suit yeah. and the stuff mocap like, suit version of him at the end is awesome yeah mm -hmm. so good but his whole reveal i thought was very like well we don't have a better way to do this so we'll just do the villain exposition thing yeah and it went on for way long, like really long. Yes. Where I was like, this feels lazy, but I'm not sure what else you could but Jake do without. But Hall sells it really well. I think they really had, they had a chip on their shoulder about Vulture from the last movie because that twist is so good that, <coughs> that 
like the the car scene in that movie is so friggin' good that I think for them they wanted to set this up and have it be that kind of a moment for people who don't know. So that, that way, like, oh man, here's this good new superhero Mysterio, and he's he's so helpful. And then like here's this maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh, <laughs> you know, scene to reveal. I liked um, the reveal visually though of the of the of the of the hologram breaking down. And yeah. then the reveal kind of coming slowly. <coughs> I agree. I I, 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 right. I agree. The speech is heavy on Expo and really kind of yeah, like this guy's in a place with all his friends talking about a plan that they already know. Like, yeah, it's just they're... like it's just for the audience <laughs> to okay, hear. They're, okay, they're proud <laughs> yeah. of themselves, but given that the character they've created for Mysterio <sighs> going forward from that scene, one, it makes sense for me to see it that way because he's a braggart, but two. Jake Gyllenhaal is really good in this movie and sells it just fine. He makes it entertaining to watch it. He kind of goes, I mean, I think that's a weird, I still think that's a weird scene though, because he, he goes from, <coughs> oh, sorry, he goes from being really likable mm-hmm. um, and just a great character to almost like a, a dash of Nightcrawler in there at the end, the, not the superhero uh, but Nightcrawler the movie. No, let's like, creep out Rene Russo Nightcrawler. <laughs> like I think the scene, the scene where he's like testing out the hologram mm-hmm. and he's like comically evil is way better. Like when you get that one, that's where you're like, oh man, I really like this. And so when it leads into that villain, his his villain at the end uh, fight scene, I think it's great. I think, but I think that that interpretation though feeds into the thread that they're spinning for Mysterio, which which is oddly relevant and it also yes. um uh but it's 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 a different type of marvel villain one that i didn't expect them to ever try to do in terms of like an angle to take mysterio on but also even doing mysterio period because mm-hmm. like i know very little about mysterio other than the con man element so yeah. i'm like well how do you how do you weave it into a universe that's been so full high full of high stakes and i think the way they do it is really cool i agree I mean, uh, the whole, that introduction of the elementals and all this stuff like and it makes for some cool action scenes i think partially because he's so useless for a while mm-hmm. um as he tries to fight them especially like yeah like when he's trying to fight hydro man or the water elemental whichever one it is um and like he shoots his webs and nothing happens and you're like yeah oh, man <laughs> peter you just can't do anything oh i am useless right now i i love that it, to hide his face he puts on a uh a jester's mask and yeah he's, 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 he's cute yeah um but he's not the only thing in this movie there's also a spider-man uh yes and uh I got to say, like, I liked the way they handled personal interactions with Peter in this film. Uh, Even I loved how they did him in Homecoming. But this one, especially since we're taking the romantic angle up a notch to the MJ character, too. Yeah. I think this thing does something that almost every Spider-Man movie I've seen has failed to do for me, which is make me want to watch a relationship flourish. I, I would go so far as to say I in the first movie. Had no idea who Zendaya was. Mm -hmm. Found out she was important in some way. Assumed she was some some kind of like Disney Channel star that people liked for some reason. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Thought she was fine, serviceable in the first movie. She's fun. I think she steals every scene she's in in this movie. Yeah, I think she's incredible. And actually, her awkward teenage character like is so well delivered, and you both 
you both love her and there's nuance to it and you understand like this weird tension it's so good it actually works well with homecoming because she's in the background or the periphery in homecoming mm-hmm. peter developing a crush on her from homecoming where she's in the periphery to now like makes tra- transitional sense it makes sense that he would develop a crush with her over time because they would have connected over like the stuff they have to do for after this school. Year, yeah. Yes. And that combined with the blip and just like, but the way that they're interacting and how Peter's going about it. And I just, there is something like, there's something charming about it in a way that hasn't been present in other Spider-Man movies whatsoever for me. Mm-hmm. Like my biggest problem with the Garfield ones is that I don't like, the, the the approach to romance in either of those films whatsoever. I, no I actually, matter how much the imagery works well in Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Gwen Stacy, I don't feel that the romance is even remotely there for me to care about. So I would disagree with you in that I think they have great chemistry in the in the in those movies. They do, but the writing is terrible. Here. <laughs> Here's my problem, and I realize it with this one. I love that this isn't Gwen Stacy because there isn't this omnipresent doom Mm -hmm. like i realized how taxing the amazing spider-man movies were now because you always knew Mm -hmm. and here i'm like oh i just get to enjoy this there's not a bitter sweetness to this it's just like oh this is just kind of fun and i i think they're cute together and i think everybody is doing a good job and they've got good chemistry together and so like those scenes to me are really wonderful Mm -hmm. um and ned with betty brandt for the for the short amount of time that was like the moment they got together i'm like they're breaking up at the end of the movie aren't they (laughs) and i didn't care (laughs) it was just fun all all the humor in the movie is just like so great and like yeah the tony stark uh edith glasses even dead i'm still the hero yeah (laughs) so good oh man Um, and that they're hideous i mean they're Hideous in a tone like you can see Tony wearing those and pulling it oh, off. Oh yeah, you had him in Infinity War. Is it really the same yeah. ones? Oh, funny. Um, oh man, I think Tom Holland does look dashing in those glasses. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, no, here's why I think that because there's a scene. You know that scene in the bar where Mysterio gives out his plan. Yeah. Before that, um, Tom Holland's wearing those glasses in the bar next to next to Jake Gyllenhaal in a bar. Uh, and, and my theory is, is that this is a secret Zodiac sequel uh, in which Jake Gyllenhaal has now become Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. has now become Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal all in one. And they're going to try to catch the Zodiac killer. You're I just I just liked it because it, it was just fun for me in my head. It You're makes no sense person. to other people. Nope. It um, makes no sense. No, exa- to other people. You to make me no it sense. does, but I'm an idiot. Um, no, but I think I, I liked how like that scene with the drone above the bus and uh, him having to... Uh, that was maybe my least favorite scene in the movie. See, I don't like the scene itself necessarily, but there's a shot where he pops up the top oh, of, yeah. the, of the bus and destroys it and then comes back down and goes like, oh, oh you missed the baby goat. <laughs> that, that was cool, but mostly because I was just glad that scene was over. <laughs> yeah, him like actually knocking out Flash Thompson felt like a little out of character. Like It seemed a little violent. Well, for... I think it was an accident. It was an but accident. But... The whole scene to me is the worst scene in the movie because... It's so like extra silly. Yes, mm-hmm. extra is a good way. Is too much. Um, it's a high a, school movie moment in a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, in like a way, almost that, like, killing these kids. Like at that point in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, like you could have written that scene in a different way, where like he says something, and so Edith sends down a killer drone to be like, "Oh yeah, I can just go kill that person for you," and he's like. Mm-hmm. 
no, no, wait, what? Wait, there's killer drone? No, I don't need any of well, this. I think in that scene there was even what? like, oh, I misspoke. And then like, like any other movie would have been like, oh, I said the wrong thing. Just delete, delete. And it would have been over. Right. But they really go all yes. in on it. Yeah, and that's why it feels odd. Yeah, and and because like all he really needed to say was like, Edith, I need you to hack into that guy's phone and delete a photo. But he couldn't speak that loud because if he did, he would give away the fact that he has AI glasses. That's that's. Do you stupid. see the conflict in <laughs> his head? That's a stupid and thing. on his head. But that is a stupid thing. But he also, I, I agree. Jumps, but I didn't write it, James. But he also jumps out of the roof of a bus real quick and then blasts like. Yeah, that was cool. no one saw that. Yeah, you could definitely say the words. Yeah, exactly. Um, my other like favorite mo- part of the movie is after he gets hit by the train, um, oh, you know, Happy yes. Hogan rescues him and then, <laughs> you know, he gets to make his new spider suit and then like it, it, it goes back to Iron Man one where they kick in the ACDC. He's like, oh, yeah, it's like, and then Happy's watching him like he's watching Tony Stark and like, what a great like callback. That I love. And then Tom Holland yes. says, I love Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately we <laughs> hate him <true>. again. <laughs> yeah. But that um, scene before that though, where he talks about him, like Tony wasn't even good at being Tony. Mm-hmm. That to me, uh, end game wrapped up Tony for me, but this gave me closure on Tony. Mm-hmm. That moment gives me closure on Tony in a way that even the the Love You Three Thousand scene doesn't. Like there's a there's just a certain thing. Like it, it and it means a lot coming from John Favreau who took us down this crazy ridiculous road from the from the start yeah. to say something poignant about what we've experienced for eleven years regarding Tony Stark and how it relates to where we go forward with Spider Man. Yeah, I think the movie does. Like I really didn't want them to try to say like, oh, Spider Man's gonna be the new Tony. But then they did, like, this movie pulls it off in a pretty good way. I agree. Like, this movie kind of reminds you, oh, this is why we, how, why we enjoyed Tony Stark in the first place. And here's just a great character. And it, it kind of walks the line of like, hey, he doesn't need to be the backbone of a whole team. But, you know, the fun of this franchise is still here. And, and you know, you're going to get some of what you liked about Tony in these other characters, especially in, in Peter. Holland pulls um, off a little fun Stark-esque quirk. Um, it was one of the few scenes that make my heart melt in something. Uh, after everything's all said and done, Zendaya and him are meeting up. And Zendaya kisses him and he just goes like, did you just kiss me? <laughs> and I was just like, ah, ah, that's nice. <laughs> so I have a question. Yeah. Uh, so part of Mysterious cover that he explained that he was a you know a remnant of the multiverse, right? But that was all Bullshit. an act. So does that mean there's not a multiverse? Uh, I think the movie the, allows for there to be a multiverse, but that his explanation is bullshit. Yeah. So yeah. there's not really. Right now, there's still not an Earth six one six and an Earth two whatever that he well, was. Well, there's on. an Earth six one six. Yeah. Uh, but they don't call it that. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> They're not it, self-aware. It's weird that they picked that number because Earth 616 is the comic book universe and this isn't Earth 616. I think that was a nod, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of good that at least that part's not true. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's entirely possible that they would do a multiverse. I don't think they want to because if you just did a multiverse in the animated version and you're going to continue to do that in an animated series or sequel films, like it's not in Marvel's best interest to create a multiverse in their universe. It, the truth is the best thing is for them to just keep doing what they're doing and tell really good stories that have a single canon. The multiverse comes up because 
you want to do weird shit. Um, well, okay, there is, but they, have, but, they don't need to break the universe. Yet. But but there is weird shit in this film, and and for yeah. comfortable getting to the mid credit sequence, we can talk about that weird shit because yeah. there's a person Wait. from a different fucking universe, no. and it's okay because what we all okay. So this is the best thing in the whole fucking movie, <laughs> and I say this because we we all talked about like, hey, we all know you're rebooting the thing. But J.K. Simmons was so fucking good. You're allowed to just keep him and not have to explain it. Okay. And then they did. Yeah. And it's great. And he just gets to be J.J., who in this version is Alex is, Jones. Is <laughs> fucking Alex Jones. He's like, J.J. Jameson doesn't have any hair? All right. <laughs> right. No, because he's just Alex Jones now. And a he's sequel to this movie <laughs> is a uh, fake news Spider Slayers, evil JJ fucking movie. Yeah, and I want that so goddamn bad. Like, I want the sequel. I want the Spider-Man universe to just become a we hate Alex Jones and all your Infowars <laughs> yes. bullshit. Like, that would be the best version of life. Yes. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, which especially which, did you see him immediately be the biggest asshole and reveal exactly who Peter is? And did you see Brightburn yet? No. Michael Rooker does a similar thing at the end of Brightburn. And it's pretty fun for the Brightburn universe, too. Oh, great. Because he's talking about, like, oh, there's also a Wonder Woman creature and an Aqua creature, and they're all over here, and they're going to take over the world. Gotcha. But he's... uh, But no, like, I I liked seeing Simmons do it again. And this this is a natural thing to do with Jameson in this day and age. Because you can't do it the way you did it 10, 15 years ago. No, because nobody gives a shit about newspapers, but to make him basically InfoWars is perfect. And the video game actually does a very similar thing. Yeah. Where uh, the Sony Marvel's... Sony's Marvel's Spider-Man for PlayStation or Xbox, whatever. Well, this film is Sony's Uh, Disney's Marvel's The Avengers, so... but the no, I, I say it funny because the game is just called Spider Man, and so it's one of the things, those things like Star Trek where you're like, which Star Trek? <laughs> no, no, which Spider Man? It's the Spider Man game. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, in that one, he's like, he does like podcasts and run, runs a website, you know. Uh, so you just hear him in audio, and it's so it's a similar thing where you've got to update him and make him one of those awful cretins. Yeah, those assholes. Just say the word assholes. Troglodytes. Yeah, uh, but uh, but like I said, like this film tackles a lot of different elements that I give props to Marvel wanting to address them. Yeah, and it, it falls in line with their with with their history as a comic company that does address issues. Um, so, but on top of that, though, like I just really liked watching Peter Parker do his thing. Like I've always given really I always give Ryan shit about Spider Man movies and Spider Man as a character, but like. There are Spider-Man things that I love, and this is a Spider-Man movie that I did love. Like, I loved Homecoming, but this one is, I don't know, like, this is one I want to rewatch more. I don't know why exactly. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you exactly why yet. I I haven't, I need to still sit with it. It feels pretty lean, too. Uh, And it has one of my favorite lines in a Spider-Man anything, which is Happy Hogan going, I'm in love with Spider-Man's aunt. (laughs) (laughs) What I thought we were all sharing. (laughs) Um, Which gives away his identity right there. Yes. Oh, totally. Oh, yes. my God, yes. Well, luckily, there's only one character in that scene who... No, Flash, Flash is there, too. But Flash doesn't care because... And Flash Fla- is an idiot. By the way, no, Flash has an arc in this movie because when yes. he comes home and he asks his limo driver if mom was there to pick him up at the airport, I'm like, oh, my <laughs> so, God, why am I going to cry about Flash Thompson? <laughs> so bad for Flash. Uh, but it's okay because uh, Spider-Man is following Flash, so he's happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's... 
it's rel- it's it's not like super it's not men in black lean but it, you know every every scene is there for a reason there's not there's not too much expositiony stuff you that's know that's another quote for a fake poster i'm going to make now men in black is less than 90 minutes like it's that's a lean movie it's not like men in black lean yeah um but um, i think it you know it moves along it moves along pretty well but you're right like the pacing is bizarre because it's if it's like it's like all first act and then a third act yeah and no second act at all it's like two minutes of second act i think the second act is that mysterio reveal scene and that's like five to ten minutes yeah 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 i mean it's it's uh i guess you know what the the um the first spider-man illusion scene where mysterio is trying to find out who all knows about him that's kind of second acty you know, because the whole the third act is really Mysterio wants to kill Spider-Man and his friends. Which, you know? by the way, the st- Mysterio uh, uh, re- re- bonkers sequences. <laughs> I'm going to call them those. Yeah, uh, those are creative nightmare and fun. sequences. Yeah, yeah, they're really cool. Yeah, and there's some stuff in there that I'm like, this movie's PG-13. What's that doing there? And then <laughs> yes. I realized that the world has changed and the game has changed and there are no rules and it's anarchy. Yeah, there were definitely a couple moments where I was like, oh wow, that's like. It's yeah. just because we've been conditioned Disturbing. to think this is appropriate for this rating, blah, 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 hey. blah, that I'm just like, wow, like Disney must have paid off a bunch of people. It was visually, <laughs> visually really cool, especially that first one. Yeah. It was, it was kind of, uh, it doesn't have the moving buildings and glass stuff of a Doctor Strange, but the psychedelic, like, where are we falling constantly, going everywhere what stuff. Is, what Doctor is Jake Gyllenhaal's last line? I remember liking it, but I can't fucking remember what it is. Peter Parker. No, he says. Yeah, the last thing Jake Gyllenhaal says in the movie is Peter Parker. No, no, before he dies, like in the scene, they'll before, believe anything. They'll believe anything. Yeah, just like these days, they'll believe anything. And that reveal with us knowing, well, one, it matches Which, up well with Homecoming when Ma finds out he's Spider Man. It's a weird thing because when did he record the video of him saying that? Like, I thought that whole internet. That was just weird. Even him defeating Mysterio, I was like confused because he's talking to the apparition, but then yes. the real one pulls a gun on Peter, and then Peter like but moves then his dies, and yeah. also gets shot at the same time. Well, no, I think I think he actually does get shot earlier, but then it's an illusion of him dying on one side, and then he has the gun, and then yeah, but it is it's weird. I don't know why. But he clearly didn't die because he gets the footage to. Simmons somehow, so yeah. But then, does he die after that? No, because remember the other assistant, the one that Tony, Jeff Bridges yelled at in the flashback, the one that's the one that's been controlling it yes. from the other area. Oh, he yeah. gets the info and then spreads it to. Um, uh, right, but when did he? In, when does Mysterio record the video? He must have recorded it just during that moment, because for all I know, he's got another drone stashed away somewhere or a security camera that he's hacked into. Weird. Uh, weird. I'm I'm gonna say movie magic. Yeah, because that's a good answer for a lot of things. It's fine. It's just weird, and it's weird because I wish he didn't die. Like I mm. wish they just didn't have him die, and he recorded that really quick, and then you could have two awesome <sighs> villains played by awesome actors in a jail with a scorpion man. I agree because like, I don't know what they're gonna do with Scorpion. And maybe that's why I'm saying uh, they're going to have JJ um, fund him having a scorpion suit put right, on him. Right. But it's not going to be as interesting, is it? Unless scorpion really did something 
like no, spectacular. Just, no, no, no. It, you're focused on Scorpion. The Vulture's in jail still. <gasps> oh, I wanted that's right. both I Jake Gyllenhaal. Like I want them both to be just in jail. I want I want them to slowly build up a Sinister Six, but the right way. Like mm. they they could do that. And and he's just such a great character and a great actor in this movie. Like oh, you don't have to you don't have to kill all the villains. You don't have to kill every villain. You well, they haven't killed every villain. No, I know. I'm just saying, like Loki. Yeah, that, that's weird. Yeah, that they did kill one because most of them do stay alive. Yeah, I think though, but the fact that he does, I don't think he's dead anyway. He could. It yeah, could be another illusion. Yeah, but the, the, the leaving him on that line, they'll believe anything, is kind of telling for what we're gonna see going forward in terms of just like how they're gonna play with these characters moving forward. Because now they're gonna add another dramatic or thematic dimension to the game, and yeah, I, I, and I like how they they do unveil peter parker's well i don't like that they unveil his identity but i'm i'm fascinated that at the end of the first iron man we tony shark just says i'm iron man and then this yeah. one we're forcibly pulling off the veil of peter parker and now that's something we can deal with but it's different than when tony did it oh yeah when so tony did it it didn't have the same impact to the world it had an impact to us as an audience because it was one of those few times where a superhero was just going to say fuck it i'm the superhero right uh, and then Spider-Man, it's so tied to a lot of his conflict. Yeah. Been, uh, inner conflict. But in the age of social media, like having superheroes with secret identities. Yeah. Uh, just, and especially Which, after Avengers 2, um, when most of the world knows who yeah. the Avengers are, it, it's kind of silly to have Peter Parker be the only one who can keep his identity. Totally. Mm-hmm. And the only reason you do it is because he's a kid. Mm-hmm. The nice thing was I was comfortable with it because all of the characters who were actually in his life were now learning who he was and so it kind of became like a well we all just don't talk about it but we kind of know very similar to spider-man 2 where i mean in spider-man 2 there's a lot of people who know who spider-man is but they know the right thing is for nobody to to talk about it um, yeah there's a whole train of people who exactly know. yeah <laughs> um, so you know i don't think you had to hear what's interesting is that by revealing it, people who want to hurt him, like a JJ, know how to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird though because that was their their hanging Chad off of the vulture in the first movie was that he knew in a world of people who didn't. So now the vulture kind of doesn't have anything. But that might also be that now in discussions they're like, ooh, you know what? He doesn't want to come back, and so we don't think we're gonna do the vulture anymore. So it doesn't really matter. Let's twist to this that or the other you well know, he wouldn't was... come back for birdman 4 either so yeah. you know michael keaton doesn't want to come a lot of back for a lot of things also what's up with spider-man uh attracting the ire of so many scientists like in tech people well he's just <laughs> there it's not like it's not intentional he's he's thwarting their evil plans he's like the mystery team of he never seems to thwart <laughs> the plans of you know he's the scooby he's the scooby gang of mystery of no of go back movies. to mystery team for yeah, a second <laughs> norman osborne scientist doc ox scientist uh the vulture yeah. tech recycler um, uh, mysterio all, all motion them, cap all of them have evil plans and you know he's got to he, stop them he just keeps thwarting their evil plans you know and they would have gotten it too, away with it too if it, was, if it wasn't for that meddling spider. <laughs> meddling spiders. <laughs> yeah. He is a science guy. He doesn't hate science people. Yeah. That's what it is. It's because he's into science that he just knows a lot of science people. And, and he, he knows that just, those science people are bad science he's people. He's just at yeah. school. 
Well, but he's a very but, but, but he's special other people science are school. Multi-million dollar but, corporations. but he's super good at science. Special science school. It's like how you're super good at other things. He in gets life. a lot of internships. Yeah, he's big on intern. He's big on unpaid internships, and not being able to pay his rent. Let me tell you, and about having Spider-Man. to and having to drive a spider mobile in one issue. All I've seen him do is go to class and go on field trips, and then dissolve into dust and come trips, back on. <laughs> I, I'm fairly sure I got to see him fight a man once, who then yelled out, "Back to formula!" There was a time he went to MoMA and then Europe. <laughs> there was a time where he had to work really hard at science. Then he got rich friends who just give him stuff. And one of his so... rich friends looked in a mirror, and his father came back in the mirror and said, "Avenge me!" God damn it. Really like Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Not these movies. They could be. You know what? If we could bring back J. Jonah Jameson into these goddamn movies, I want to see Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin again. <laughs> Can we? Do we have to bring back the Super the Power Ranger though? Can it just be? Oh, oh the suit you mean? Yeah. No, 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 I, no, no. no. I just we changed Willem, that. I just want Willem Dafoe in. Lou Ferrigno style green paint. Yes. Uh, yes. Why not? Lou, Willem Dafoe doesn't play Norman Osborn. Willem Dafoe just plays the Goblin, so that when Norman Osborn, who's played by, I don't know, John Stamos, when John, when Norman Osborn <laughs> Wait, turns into the Green Goblin, he's just suddenly replaced by Willem Dafoe. <laughs> In Lou Ferrigno paint. And that's what I want. And that's a benefit for Willem Dafoe because right afterwards he can go to a rave and fit right in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because Willem Dafoe goes to a lot of raves. Anyway, uh, (sighs) next week. Next week. uh, It's a blank week. Is Lion King two weeks? Let me look. Because Stuber's this week. Um, But but I was going to say, though, maybe this is a good time to do 99 Film Explosion. Oh. Well, assuming everyone can be on the show. Right. Uh, I can find out. But yeah, Midsummer came out last week. We could move that. But Stuber, Crawl, Art of Self-Defense. Well, Self-Defense is limited. And then, yeah, Lion King's the week after. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then Hobbs and Shaw. So. I mean, yeah. Hobbs and Shaw. I, I, I mean, I personally think, because I don't think all of us are going to want to review Midsummer. I know Ryan's just not going to go because he didn't like Hereditary. Yeah. Um, crawl. No, you guys should see crawl. We could see crawl. Um, yeah, but or or like I said, like film explosion might work out at the end of the day if we can all participate. Yeah, right. We'll uh, figure it out. We never know, guys. We we run on a uh uh a random ship here called the USS Real Nerds. It'll be a film explosion ninety nine redacted because some of us are going to go back and change our list while others are going to present their list for the first time. Yeah, exactly. I don't know that I would change mine. Ninety nine. Oh yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah, two thousand nine is the one you've got to change. Two thousand nine. I will. Yeah. You've yeah. got to rectify a fucking mistake. Wow. Hey, look who's fucking talking. Hey, can we go back and do every film explosion <laughs> ever again so that Zach can fix his mistakes? Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Saving Private Ryan is the fifth best film of 1998. You know, when we get to when we're done with 2004, that's it. That's it for retro from explosions, unless we just keep re- <laughs> revisiting <laughs> and yeah. re- Or we could yeah. go into the 70s at that point. I can't do Try. a 70s. We already tried this. We did a top 10 of the whole 70s, and it was difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, that's no, fair. That won't work. Yeah. We could do a top 10 film explosion of films we think will be made in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Try to make some guesses, see if we're right ten years later. <laughs> that might actually be kind of fun. Yeah, I'm gonna have to find. 
Like eventually they'll make a new Turtles movie. Yeah, exactly. That and you can and you can describe how perfect it'll be. Ooh, okay. Okay. It would be a whole new thing where the next Star in, Wars movie that in does. 2000 and, or in 2025 when this is a problem for in us. the year 25 25 <laughs> uh so you know five and a half years from now when this is, becomes an actual problem we could do something like instead of doing lists you go around the table and each person pitches their ideal version of a future film that would be uh, mm. a f- cool theoretical way of doing it where you just like outline the beats of like okay my my tmnt movie would be or this TMNT meets the monkey people, and it would basically be the mutant turtles fighting the planet of the apes, um, you know, and or, then you'd go through it. Or I can be like, so this is what I think Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek movie is going to look like. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no idea what we're doing next week. Uh, we ooh. will let you know via that Facebook page that we always post on. But I did want to draw attention to one quick thing before we end here. How uh, I was actually right about my film solution list? No, never. <laughs> if you're on Amazon and you're looking to buy the 4K uh, 2 set of, of Planet Earth 2 and Blue Planet 2, and you scroll down to the things frequently bought together, it's Blade Runner 2049 <laughs> and The Revenant. What? And I don't know why. Because it's not a 4K thing because Blade Runner 2049 is in Blu-ray. Yeah. So I have no idea why people are frequently buying... The two set of Planet Earth and Blue Planet it's, Two. It's got to be weed. With Blade Runner and The Revenant. It's the gotta, Revenant is sort of naturey, so that I get. But Blade for, Runner, and at least Revenant is 4K, so it's like, oh, I'm getting all my 4Ks it, at one time. It must be weed because like they're they're getting stoned. They want to watch something that'll make them feel smart. They want to watch something that looks pretty, and then they want to watch something that'll make them feel sad and want to go to bed. Blue Planet's really good for naps. <laughs> you ever taken a nap through a Blue Planet movie? <laughs> There's another it's quote great. for another poster. Blue Planet, really great for taking naps. I'm really having fun, by the way, making the, I, I should share them on the website, Planet but I have fun making these fake posters for James and his great. quotes that are one. The, the Fifth Element one, still Fifth my Element favorite. One was really good. <laughs> Blade Runner drawn my child. Alrighty. Well, that's this week. Alright. Thanks, guys. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.